Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Kratom Guy Show. I'm your host, Mike Overstreet, the Boston Kratom Guy. Welcome back, episode number 13. Wow. Got a great show in store for you guys, and uh, actually video. Got a video of this right now. It's super weird for me. That's why I did the podcast to begin with. The... The feedback from uh, Mac Haddo interview was really great, so I decided to make more videos. So I'm actually videoing this right now, so you can go to our YouTube channel and find that. Awesome show in store for you guys today. But it does feel like kind of someone's like watching me while I'm working. I'm going to get this one out on uh, audio, and then we'll start uh, doing some video. Great show in store for you today. Main guest is Chris Redding. Chris Redding out of Maryland, retired Army captain veteran and also featuring interview with vicky rose out of mississippi her and uh lindsey and i believe sherry and a couple other people have been uh really instrumental in turning around some of these bands or preventing the bands in mississippi it was great to talk to her and next week's show dr mark swagger is going to be on the show awesome interview i did with him so i'm gonna have all those preview clips coming up soon but uh first want to tell you guys about our sponsor that is right candid kratom is sponsoring this show we are so excited and proud to have candid flavored kratom as our first sponsor so let me tell you guys about candid Uh, They are revolutionizing the Kratom industry, Kratom extracts, with their orange-flavored drink. And the reason why I say they're revolutionizing the industry is because, one... The drink just tastes great. It's uh, it's orange-flavored. It comes in this little pouch. Super discreet, easy to use. It was a little sweet, but it's sweetened with stevia, which I like that. And... I was able to judge how much how much I wanted. So I wanted a stronger drink, so I just used a little bit less water, put it in a water bottle, shook it up, and drank that. But I really like that if you wanted less, just use more water, and then you can sip it throughout the day. So if you guys don't see candied orange flavored kratom at your favorite retailer make sure you tell them that you want candied flavored kratom and one of the great things about having candid as a sponsor is the free giveaway so stay tuned for later on in the episode we're going to be giving away some candied kratom so we will let you know uh, what you need to do when that time comes so stay tuned or go searching for it in the in the episode somewhere and uh, usually it's about like a week or two weeks we'll, we'll let people enter and then um, choose the person. Look out for that feature in the episode. So excited to get this interview. This is another one of those interviews that uh, with Chris that I, I, I play it back when I was editing it. And just the Im- great amount of information, the research that this guy has done. He put it together this document that goes through so much, like the uh, the poison control calls. We talk about the Louds County um, in Mississippi, the Eggleston liver damage research. The guy called it a, a study, but not really. And 
basically, and I also got a got a um, a clip from Nick Wing because Nick was the one actually that mentioned Chris, and I kept seeing Chris online. I reached out to him and got to meet in uh, to Maryland. Let's get to those preview clips. I'm gonna uh, play the preview clips for Chris. We'll get to the preview clips for for Mark, Dr. Mark Swagger, and then later on in the show we got uh, Vicky Rose. Got a ton of current events to get through, creative news and current events. So I'm going to try to breeze right through it, but let's get to those preview clips right now. And this would be a good time for a small disclaimer that neither myself nor any of my guests are medical professionals. Nothing we say should be considered medical advice, and you should always seek the advice of a physician or medical professional before taking anything. Any copyrighted material is used under fair use for education or criticism. Enjoy the show. It's it's an easy win because we have the facts, we have the science, and we have the the true motivation behind us. So that's why I say for advocacy. But when the battlefields are behind closed doors, and in pharmacy boards that we're not allowed to go to or they don't want public comment and that's where it becomes difficult you just got to keep this battle out in the open and let the facts science speak for itself and next show we got dr mark swagger on the show once i saw uh, the experience reports it was pretty clear that this was an interesting compound um, because it was a something that provided people with pain relief uh, or at least they were reporting that. And um, it was also something that was useful to people who were trying to get off of other things that they that they didn't want to be taking, but felt that they were having trouble getting off of. So I'm not just talking about opioids, I'm talking about antidepressants, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, anything that people were trying to get off of for mood or, um, or because they had um, a harmful dependence on it. Kratom was useful, or at least that's what the reports were. And so when that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, we should do a study on this. And then having, you know, we, we did that study and then having found out some things about it, about its potential for pain relief, about its, um, you know, uh, its uh, potential side effects or withdrawal effects. When the DEA decided they were going to make it a schedule one substance, I was in a pretty good place to talk about it with the media and with the public. And that was really rewarding. You know, as a researcher, you don't always get a chance to make a difference outside of uh, medical journals or psychological journals. And um, this, this was that chance and it was really nice. So as always, guys, big thank you to you, the listener, and to everybody that's been purchasing Kratom. Can't do this without you. So really love you guys. Give me a call about Kratom. Give me a call. Give me a text. If I can't answer, leave a message or send me a text. I will return your call. Not always I can talk right then and there, but I love talking to people. It's really the best part of this job is talking to the people that have gotten their lives back through Kratom. It's it's truly amazing. Got another call. I've been texting with somebody from um, an illegal state that he just founded. He, he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and just um, for a lot of his pains and energy and stuff. And... Um, he was prescribed opiates for years and now he's getting his life back and he thanks Kratom for doing it and he said yeah I found your podcast so when I when I was discovering Kratom and it's uh it's truly incredible like I never thought I'd be doing anything like this so you know 
Thanks for reaching out. 617-917-5242. 617-917-5242. Give me a call. Give me a text. I want to talk Kratom with you. Or uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Kratom Guy Show or at Really Mike O. Yeah, you don't have to buy Kratom for me. That's fine. So I, I guess this is a good time to get into my to my business update. So again, I'll, I'll get into the business update, and then we'll go to Kratom News and Current Events. And in that Kratom News and Current Events, we got the interview with Vicky Rose and then Chris Redding. So I will try to breeze right through the Kratom News and Current Events. But we do have a report. Now, I did actually take out a segment from Mac Hatta, but with the clip, because Vicky and I got talking. It was supposed to be just about that day, but then she got talking. It was so interesting. I don't want to cut any of it out. So I do want to play the whole interview, so I'm not going to play the Mac Haddow piece. It's not an interview I did with him. It was from uh, AKA Update, which was actually really nice. After I did the uh, the interview with him, now they're starting to do like monthly updates on video, and they're putting up on Facebook and everywhere else, so I, I think that's great. It was from that, but we'll get into it. FDA and uh, FDA is targeting UPS and DHL to limit kratom imports so we'll, we'll get into that and we'll also talk about the indonesian ban of the bpn We've got a story of a pennsylvania mom that her son died of a heroin overdose and they found kratom so they're trying to say is kratom toxicity that the kratom alone without the heroin would have killed them so i actually tried to call the pathologist and uh, we'll get into that of course no answer no call back great falls montana montana they're educating retailers about it you know what that means when, when they when they start saying oh no it's just education look how terrible this stuff is we don't want to ban it but look how awful it is it should be schedule one it's a fucking ban and then we'll get into the interview with vicky rose and monroe county they actually reversed the ban with the supervisors, and they got a new sheriff in town. They reversed the ban, so it was really incredible. Awesome talking to her. The CDC has been flooded with calls about kratom and cannabis to be used used for the pain, so we got a couple stories on that. Custom Border Patrol busted salmonella-laced kratom. So we'll get into that story. Ireland busted... Uh, some some kilos of kratom coming in coming into the country and they treated it like cocaine they, they said it was worth uh, thousands of dollars that story's coming up and legis- legislators seek kratom meeting with fda that's been going on for a while but there's a new story up and the big story that i'm going to open with is the nevada board of pharmacy putting on their agenda that they are planning on scheduling kratom schedule one so there's been an update from Mac Haddow and the AKA that are basically like, uh, chill out, we got this. But uh, I want to talk about some of the specifics of that. So we get into all that coming up soon on Creative News and Current Events. And I'll give you guys a quick business update. What I got going on with Mass Herbal and then we'll get into Creative News and Current Events. And then the... Um, Vicky Rose and Chris Redding interviews, which were great. So... As always, you know, I know this is a long-form show, and I get feedback that they people really like the long-form. So if you, for some reason, really like a shorter form, we've been thinking about making that. So um, we just want to hear from you, and since it is more longer form, we put the timeline in the description. So please feel free to skip around in the description, and you can you can go from the, the different segments. Uh, but I hope you, you listen all the way through. Uh, basically, what we got going on right now with Mass Herbal and MassHerbalMarket.com is 
we stopped doing local deliveries. I stopped doing local de- local deliveries. Before COVID hit, they were taking a lot longer time. I was taking a lot of time out of the day to just do deliveries. And I was thinking about limiting the delivery days that I was doing local deliveries. We're still shipping Monday through Friday, business days. Weekends are for the family, as much as I can try to do that. Then once COVID hit, we stopped doing local delivery because all the restrictions and didn't want to be singled out or anything like that. So business was kind of up in June and then has been going back down and kind of steady now. So we were planning on no longer importing ourselves and going to other GMP compliant vendors. And not too many people want to sell right now to a discount to us so we can sell to their to our customers. So if you are a Kratom vendor and you are GMP qualified, please give me a call. Uh, Mike at MasterableMarket.com or the Kratom Guy Show. You know, it all goes to me. But basically right now with the with the shipping times, it's taking way longer. Even on the t-shirts, it's taking a little longer. The e-check is also taking longer. So please, if you purchase, uh, know it's taking a little bit longer, but we really appreciate your, your patience. Basically, with all this happening, we are looking to become GMP compliant. So now we're, we're, we're working on testing every single batch. We increased our, our testing. So now our tests include for full contaminants, as well as uh, alkaloid strength. So look out for that on the on the packaging. We're looking to uh, basically reduce our strain offerings, the, the different types we offer, and then basically I just offer one or two each of red, white, and green. So we do have some stuff on sale right now on Masterable Market. So you can check that out and see what we have on sale. A lot of stuff for 20%. And... By this time, I'll renew the, the code because people really like that the first time. First time purchase code 20% off. Um, I actually was thinking about just doing it for our text list of enabling it. So you can use a code and get basically double 20% off the sale and then also 20% off your total purchase of uh, first time buyers, which... I don't think there's anybody on the text list would be a first-time buyer, but maybe I'll do something special for that. And our text has been completely dwindled down. Like we, we, I don't do too many text message anymore because every time I try to send it out on this platform that we're using, I still have to find a new one. Only half the people or a quarter of the people get the text because I put a, a hyperlink in there or I mentioned strains or kratom. So I've been, we've been looking for a new text blast because that's such a great way with all the censorship and shadow banning going on with creative companies and uh, all the political shit, text is a really great way. I was actually messaging everybody directly when I did the Mac Haddo interview. I was just going through my list on my email messenger. I mean, on the Facebook messenger. That worked out really well. I basically told people, like, check out my new video. Here's what I got going on. If you don't like it, then I, will, uh, I won't send you any more, but... People were sharing it. It was great. So I'll probably do some more of that. But I really like to find a platform that we're all able to openly speak and not get shadow banned. And unlike Facebook or Twitter, when you follow all these people, you know, it's not like old school where you actually get to see everybody. I don't know who sees the message. So text is a great way. So for now, 617-917-5242. 617-917-5242. Send me a text. Tell me you want to join the list. And, um... I think really soon, I think I found a, a text blast, a community. 
Um, so you just basically join the text community. But that will be a new number. So right now, if you want to join up and want to be included in that future text list, that I believe is a lot easier to keep in touch um, because I really do miss uh, talking to all, all you guys. Because a lot of people, like I said, you don't have to buy. I just like to keep the, the creative community open and uh, communicating. So uh, shipping and deposit time is taking a little bit longer. We're working on getting GMP compliant. And basically the real goal, the overall goal is... And we'll get into this a little bit with the Nevada Board of Pharmacy and the KCPA, the Creative and Consumer Protection Act. I want to be able to bring the basically farm to table, so farm to consumer. So right now, it's the and you know AK is doing great work, but uh, you know who knows? Maybe we will start a um, a, a, a certifying. Create a certifying company that, that says your GMP because AKA is the only ones that are going to be certifying. And with the federal KCPA being passed, no Indonesian distributor will be able to ship legally directly to consumer. And I think that's really fucked up because we got some major corporations that are coming in that are creating a monopoly essentially on top of the industry. That's not what I want. I, I, I want to see more money go back to the Indonesian farmer, the Indonesian people. I would like to see our company figure out a way, and we're working on it right now, but figure out a way where the Indonesian distributor can sell on our site and be GMP compliant as much as they can. So if we're basically they'd have to separate a batch, send the sample to the lab, the U.S. ISO accredited lab that will test for all contaminants and alkaloid strength and then ship only those batches that have been verified tested directly to the consumer. So they can charge a little bit more because everything's tested and the consumer would pay a little bit less and get amazing quality. So, you know, you'd be able to buy a kilo for like 100 bucks. Um, right now you can you can buy get the message all the time you know ten dollars twenty dollars forty dollars dude that's taken big chance on on your own there's plenty of Indonesian distributors that are doing great stuff but it's not tested so you really don't know what you're getting um, and granted that's how I found my distributor was testing myself a lot of uh, trying a lot of shitty kratom to find out find uh, just a few distributors that were really doing the right thing which I also got some new pictures of the plantation so I got to put those up on the on the website so look out for those on Mass Herbal but that's pretty much it what, what we got going on you know the world's going fucking crazy out there I think Portland's on its 60th day of uh, riots looting and protests Actually, got the other asked the other day um, from somebody on Twitter on uh, Dr. Mark Swagger's feed that was like they they called me out, but then I tried to answer to it and the the tweet was gone, so I just put it on the main thing and asked me what I think of the the feds picking up people in the street. There was the the Tiger King, the dude Josh from Tiger King that said uh, he's like, well, technically I'm a libertarian, so fuck the feds. You know, it's 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 messed up. The the whole thing is messed up. The feds are not supposed to even be in, in cities, as far as my understanding of the U.S. Constitution. It makes it really harder to judge what the hell's going on with um, 
all the protests going on and no i don't think they should be grabbing people in the street but i don't think it's that random like i don't i think what they're doing is they're they're scouting people and waiting till they leave and then getting them on charges but it seems like a lot of people are are um catch and release but i don't think they should be picking up anybody off the street but it's a pretty messed up situation i mean we got the seattle chaz apparently they're trying to take that back and uh yeah so just just be be safe out there a lot of a lot of messed up stuff happening out there me personally from from my research and you know you just you you look at what they put in their own documents you know you got uh event 201 Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, ID 2020. They've been pushing this shit. It's all in their own words. Mandatory vaccinations. And this COVID is what I think is their their reason to do this. And then reports are coming out that scientists and doctors think that COVID's going away so much. It's like a 99.96 or something like that. It's over 99% recovery rate. And the doctors think it's going to go away so much that they're not even going to be able to, to do the vaccine. So, And it's a new RNA technology that's never been tested by Moderna, that's never released a vaccine, never released anything on humans, and they skipping all the animal testing. Uh, my belief is no double-blind studies. So even people that are pro-vaccine are really worried about this. So we're just going to see see what happens. You know, We're, we're trying to get into more of a suburb kind of far away be able to to have our own land and grow our own food the best would be to have our own well to be in control of our own water but i'd love to get some some solar panels be able to grow and um autonomous as, as, as much as we can because this is really opening people up to how dependent we we've become on on the state so that's uh that's it for me i'm sure i'll have a few more rants um during uh creative news and current events All right, creative news and current events. And what I'm doing now is, uh, I see a lot of YouTubers do it, and I, I think this is the way I do it. Recording the screen at the same time while making the video. And while my wife Helen was down in Florida, I moved around the, uh, the office, set up my little studio here to record videos. Um, so I got the screen going at the same time, so hopefully I'll be able to just load this up as a segment on, uh, on YouTube, other video platforms for creative news and current events. The big story is I got so many tabs open, I'm going to try to breeze right through them to get to the, the interviews, not keep you too long for this. But the big story is out of Nevada, the Board of Pharmacy, and we'll see here, it's all the way down on page 9, 9 out of 10 on their second amended agenda amendment of the nevada administration code nac 453.510 schedule one the two active compounds of kratom proposed amendment nac 453.510 what uh mitragene some other trade names they go through a whole list of other trade names here which i didn't even know is called all this to controlled list and schedule controlled substance list and schedule one now um, I might not get this out till tomorrow, but today is July 27th, Monday, and the AKA is having a webinar, uh, what they're calling virtual town hall on, uh, Tuesday tomorrow, and then they did put out a video, a, a link to it, um, 
but basically what I've been hearing from a lot of consumers and my question as well, and I'm going to submit it tonight for the, uh, the town hall I'm supposed to submit your questions to, to Pete Canlin is, um, to put it in a nice way, what the fuck? How is it? So my understanding is that the board of pharmacy, they regulate Kratom in Nevada. And basically, they're putting up this bullshit excuse of, uh, oh, yeah, I know the KCPA, the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, has already passed. Um, but uh, we thought that was just for now, and it was supposed to ultimately be scheduled. And my question is, if the KCPA is enacted, it's already law in Vegas, how in uh, Nevada, how are they doing this? How are they saying... Okay, it's supposed to be regulated, but now it's scheduled. And when you actually look into the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, there's nothing in there. Nothing. I look at it again tonight. Nothing that I can find that says it will never be scheduled. I mean, I would think that would be really simple to put in there. It would never be scheduled and would never be delegated to prescription only. So if we want to protect consumers, that's going to be the big two that myself and many other people are going to want to see in this updated KCPA. Because if any state can do that, what's the point of even passing the federal one if anybody can come along and say that they want to change it and and schedule it, put it in Schedule 1, completely banning it, saying it's okay. And these fucking politicians, man, basically they're willing to to sit and type something up or have their aides type it up and not actually look into the amount of violence that will be used against peaceful plant consumers and then putting police at risk too and then creating the black market as well. I mean, it's just all fucking bullshit. And this, uh, you know, Dr. McCurdy, who does all the research and another story we're going to get into, the ATAI picking up cures which is uh looking to make a synthesized uh kratom and the kratom community doesn't want this shit we want to freely use the plant so in the kratom consumer protection act it should say that it will never be scheduled never be delegated to prescription only and right now that protection isn't in there it essentially enforces uh higher standards which i'm not against higher standards for the manufacturers, the sellers of Kratom. So that I understand, getting every batch tested and make sure it's clean. Everyone's getting a product that they know. You know, when I got into this, honestly, I was selling to people that were strung out on heroin and fentanyl. That was the vast majority. They're they're buying, you know, some Afghan heroin or Mexican heroin and Kratom from Indonesia, the harm reduction, even if it's not tested, the harm reduction is there. But now that we've expanded the business, we're getting every batch tested. So I really don't mind to working towards GMP, but it's supposed to be consumer protection. So that's not protecting the consumer if any board of pharmacy or any state can say we're going to schedule it after. I, every, as far as I know, everybody thinks that's the reason why the KCPA is, is in place. <sighs> okay, their next meeting, um, Mac put out a an update which I'm, which I'm not going to play basically saying that they're they're on it and the Nevada Board of Pharmacy has agreed to meet with them. So I'll put the link to uh to Max update you you guys can watch that. And the next Nevada Board of Pharmacy meeting is September 23rd. 
application deadline is July 21st. So they are going to be meeting in Vegas September 2nd and 3rd, so we'll see what happens. But as long as COVID's going on, uh, no one's coming there in person. So next story is ATAI Life Sciences Forge's premier psychedelic R&D platform. So this is a, uh, my understanding is a pharmaceutical company that basically they're acquiring all these smaller companies and cures, they call it the ATAI-004 uh, mitrogene, but uh, apparently they're doing stuff with like uh, psilocybin, um, I think DMT, ketamine, so it looks like they're doing good work, but don't take our drug, don't take our plant and turn it into a drug. People are not going to be happy. And what doctor is going to be prescribing this? Maybe you'll find a couple of holistic doctors that will actually prescribe Kratom. But even with medical cannabis, the doctor doesn't prescribe. The doctor just recommends, and then you go and get the product. So nobody wants it to turn into that, and it's going to cut out the Indonesian farmer. They'll just be shipping to the big guys. The big guys will mix it all together, you know, 10 different types of green, and that's your green mangda, like they are doing at the central warehouses in Indonesia. So this is more about the ATAI company originated out of Germany. The company has added offices in New York and Amsterdam to complement its Berlin office. So basically international conglomerate. But the real story is ATI Life Sciences takes on opioid crisis by acquiring cures to develop no novel therapeutics for opioid abuse. So it was from July 9th, Berlin and New York, July 9th, 2020. This is out of uh, Yahoo News and the PR Newswire. ATI Life Sciences AG, a global biotech company, Builder that envisions an end to mental illness has acquired a majority stake in New York's based pharmaceutical company Cures, which targets the important intersection between pain and opioid use disorder. Additionally, Serinavas Rayo, MD, PhD. I don't know who that is. Is uh, sorry, I can't. I box the name md phd chief scientific officer atai life scientist has been appointed ceo of cures now we know cures we'll get into it in a little bit joining ati's platform comes with much more than a capital infusion said dr rayao our model involves pooling resources expertise and best practices from across the platform helping our companies steer clear of the many pitfalls that come with breaking new ground in drug development Cure's flagship product, KUR101, is a derivative from Mitrogyne, the major alkaloid of the kratom plant used for centuries in Southeast Asia as a remedy for fatigue, pain, and myriad of other conditions. Kratom leaf has recently grown in popularity as a herbal medicine in the United States. Additionally, Important, importantly, in addition to its traditional medicinal applications, consumer in the U.S. report that it may also be effective in ameliorating the symptoms of opioid withdrawal. Both Mitrogyne and Cure 101 are atypical opioid receptor modules, boosting unique pharmacology that may make them safer than currently available opioids and treating pain. Additionally, Cure's second asset, Cure 002, is under evaluation for treatment of subsets of depression through unique mechanism of action. Uh, the article goes on 
and uh, wrap it up here. Therefore, by developing a potentially safer and more widely available alternative for both pain management and opioid maintenance therapy, ATAI and CURES are poised to address two key factors underlining the opioid epidemic. We are concerned about the opioid epidemic in the U.S. and are committed to developing approaches to both treat and prevent this condition, said Florian Brand, CEO, ATAI. Cures is excited to have the resources and commitment to of ATAI in advancing our our promising therapeutics compound. Added Andrew Krugel, CSO and co-founder of Cures. We look forward to working with ATAI team to bring new treatment options to pa- patients suffering from pain and mental illness. ATAI is recognized as the world's leading leading and largest company in the field of psychedelic therapy. Cure 101 will join ATAI's pipeline, uh, the groundbreaking mental health interventions such as R-ketamine, AR-ketamine, and psilocybin, with additional high-impact compounds to be announced soon. So I heard they are doing something with uh, with DMT or ayahuasca. I mean, I think it's great work, but the issue is what happened with the CBD is essentially a company came up with a, a mouth spray that's essentially an alcohol alcohol tincture mouth spray and since they made that and the FDA approved it I can't think of the name right now now if you try to according to the FDA if you try to sell any CBD flower or any type of uh, tincture or anything it's an unapproved drug one company being approved to sell a mouth spray of a CBD isolate that I hear doesn't work that well because you're not getting the full spectrum, now turns CBD plants, cannabis CBD strains, into an unapproved drug. So they're already trying this shit with Kratom. So if somebody comes up with a drug of an analog of one of the the major alkaloids, mitragine or 7-hydroxy, there's a chance that they could just call it an unapproved drug and they're... There, you can't sell it, you can't buy it because unapproved drug. The only way you could sell it is if you're a pharmaceutical company, you go through all the millions of, or billions of dollars that you have to do. And what I find too, and actually what I really like about our product from uh, Magnum Opus Botanicals that we're selling uh, Mass Herbal is that it's a full spectrum. I don't really know the science behind it, but I know just like cannabis, you can get either a full spectrum or you can get an isolate. So a lot of these extracts that are on the market are just an extract of just the mitragene and what i notice and i've talked to other kratom sellers kratom manufacturers before is that these bigger companies that can afford it are now testing for another two major alkaloids so he said he's like yeah we got two green strains they were they tested exactly the same for mitragene and 7-hydroxy he's like but they were completely different and he's like, then when I went back and did the the test for the other two major alkaloids, then those were completely different. So, you know, just buying off just a single alkaloid, like I, I, I wouldn't do it. I really like the full spectrum because it's almost like buying, you know, mitragene level. I hear people are buying the highest mitragene level on the package instead of actually looking at the strain see who's who's offering it who's selling it because you're missing all those other terpenes and other alkaloids and cannabis is cannabinoids so we got to keep our eye on this and see what this spells for the uh the free market as far as kratom goes this next story is out of pennsylvania pennsylvania mom charged in 15 year old son's overdose death 
So this is a story from uh, New York Post, but many different publications covered this. And a Pennsylvania mother shared drugs with her 15-year-old son and left him to die from an overdose. It's really fucked up. She said that she heard him gasping in the night and didn't go and check on him. Okay, the story's really short, and I thought I had my highlights on this. But I guess I'll just just read the story because it's really short. But uh, Jennifer Pugolizzi... 49, was charged Wednesday with homicide and child endangerment nearly 15 months after her son was found dead in her Swatara Township apartment last July. Apparently I'm not that great at last names or townships. The teen named Dean died of heroin toxicity and kratom toxicity. This is very important. It's going to come in later. A detective wrote in an arrest report. It talks about uh, what kratom is. said it affects the same... Opioid brain receptors as morphine. Very fucking vague, New York Post. Investigators found heroin in an eyeglass case beneath the teen's body when they responded to his mother's apartment July 3rd. The woman gave inconsistent statements to detectives. The mom admitted to uh, investigators she took her son to the store two days earlier to buy Kratom, which she purchased to share with him. So it seems like she knew he was on drugs and they were trying to get him off drugs or at least ride out withdrawals, it seems like. But I don't know. I'm not the mom. I'm not the boy. The package noted that the drug, Kratom, which has no approved FDA uses, wasn't intended for minors. Yeah, it probably also said not for consumption, too. Another case of the FDA not doing their fucking jobs. Ugh, that's a fucking mess. That's, uh, that she also texts her son with instructions on how to use Kratom. She said that she found her son hot and sweaty, not feeling well, on July 2nd, leading her to give him water for apparent heat stroke. You mean heroin withdrawal? I would think. Uh, she had to shake her son up to wake him up later that evening and then heard him gasping for air as he slept but didn't try to wake him. It's so fucked up. If you've ever been an overdose, if you've ever witnessed an overdose, I've witnessed many of them and had to revive so many people... Way back in the day, um, that's one of the most haunting things, is the gasp, is the body just gasping for air, but the respiratory system is too suppressed to get it. It's chilling. If you haven't heard it, it's fucking chilling. I can't believe this woman didn't go and check on her son. (sighs) So she admitted to the cops that she shared Kratom with her son. So... The important parts of this story. So she said if her son died from Kratom, then she's responsible because she gave it to him. And she said that she deserves to be put in jail because that's where she belonged. Now, lethal doses of both heroin and Kratom were found in the teen system a pathologist found. So another sad tragedy, what many are deeming is the opioid crisis. But uh, I think it was USA Today I found the other story. Um, But because somebody else, another story said this. Uh, Dr. Wayne Ross, pathologist, and this is what I found for forensic autopsy, uh, general pathologist, uh, Dr. Wayne Ross in Pennsylvania. I tried to give him a call because um, I just, I recorded it, but it's not worth even playing because basically due to Massachusetts and Pennsylvania law, I'd, I'd, I'd recorded myself calling, leaving a message, and then I'd have to get him to call back and, and say that um, I was recording. But uh, I had some questions for him, and maybe I'll try him again. But he, he never responded. So my questions are, what is kratom toxicity? What's the definition? What is a lethal dose of kratom? Let's see what he said. 
lethal doses of both heroin and kratom. So what is a lethal dose of kratom? Then where did he locate that definition of a lethal dose of kratom? What is the LD50? Because that hasn't been studied. They haven't been able to found, find a correct answer because it won't fucking kill you. How much kratom was found in the system? And how much kratom does it take to kill? And now I know those are many variations of uh, LD50. But, um... Dude died of fucking heroin overdose. So that's that story. So I got his information here. If anybody else wants to try to uh, give him a call and ask these questions... Here's his number, 717-481-8510. Now, I believe, because I did a little research and it's the right city, um, but who knows? Maybe there's another forensic pathologist named Dr. Wayne Ross in uh, Lancaster, PA. I don't think so, but we'll see. 717-481-8510. If anybody wants to give him a call to ask him those questions, if you do, I can't advise you to record it, but I would record it with his permission and then send it to me. We can play it. Okay, next story is Cascade County officials express concern about Kratom. Now, this story is out of Montana, and it's three stories in a row, but it's really interesting because this uh, Cascade County Substance Abuse Prevention Alliance Task Force co-chair, it's a mouthful, decided she was going to start talking shit about Kratom everywhere, and... uh, I believe in the story. We can go into it. I'm not going to get into all three stories because I do want to try to keep this brief. The um, the interviews I have with Vicky Rose and uh, Chris Redding are awesome. So if you don't want to hear me talk the news, you can fast forward to that. But this was very interesting because they basically said that... Here, we'll read it. In, Cas- in Cascade County, officials, including Dr. Deborah Rose... Oh, so the one I described before was uh, down here, Beth Price Morrison... Uh, W. Rose with, with Benefis Health Systems, Great Falls Police Chief David Bowen and District Judge Greg Pinsky are also concerned about the drug's existence in the community. According to Pazinski, almost all criminal activity in Great Falls is connected to substance abuse and the addictive nature of Kratom and other drugs like it are exasperating that problem. Fucking prove it then. I I can't even name them. I can name you people that are getting their lives together with Kratom, that are using it for health and wellness and their their overall well-being. I don't know any that are contributing to to substance abuse. I'm sure there's people out there that are abusing it. It's a really fucking hard substance to abuse, though. You try to take too much, you're going to throw up. You try to take too much and mix it with other shit, it's going to exasperate that other shit, and you can have some problems. Like... With alcohol or opioids, this stuff can be deadly, as we just read in the in the previous clip. No age limit whatsoever. The KCPA would take care of that, which, you know, I'm going to find out tomorrow in that, more in that town hall. But I'm very conflicted with the KCPA now. It says the goal of the task force is not to eradicate the drug from a legal standpoint. That responsibility lies with the lawmakers, law enforcement agencies, and judge. Their goal is to simply raise awareness and educate people. And then she says how it's collaborative effort and to uh, raise awareness. Morrison said that without classification, it's more difficult for prevention agencies, health officials, and law enforcement agencies to relate the drugs use. Are you kidding me? Coffee is simply regulated. Somehow you can regulate cigarettes and alcohol that both have deadly chemicals in them, but somehow you can't figure out how to regulate this fucking tea leaf? Damn. 
She says, unregulated in fact that you could go get a different potency from one capsular packet that you might get from another. Listen, if you're buying shit from a fucking gas station and you don't know what it is and you're just taking it because it looks good, it's got a shiny packaging, you're fucking dumb. And if they're not labeling it, you don't know the potency, buy from a trusted vendor. And if your kids are going and getting it, maybe you got to have a talk with your kids. I was a bad kid, though. I don't think I, I would go buy it from gas stations, though. Not know what I'm taking. That's just stupid. She said, Morrison said, it's a, currently a big issue, in her opinion, when we've got medical facilities that are seeing what they're seeing in the ERs, and we've got addiction counselors telling us that what they're seeing with their clients and working with law enforcement and working with other community members on our substance abuse prevention lines, it is a big concern. Yeah, they're pushing Suboxone and Methadone, which are the people in the recovery community say that Methadone is liquid handcuffs. And I'll tell you, because I came off of of Suboxone, I I transitioned from Suboxone to Buprenorphine, which if anybody's trying to do that, not a medical doctor, so I can't really suggest it, but... I found great success with that, is dropping the uh, naltrexone uh, or naloxone, whatever it is, first, and then getting off of the buprenorphine. I just, I just tapered down to a really small amount. But then you have these other follow-up stories that the second one, because it's very complex properties, it's both a stimulant and a sedative that makes it extremely high for addiction. Kind of like coffee? I don't know. I take a lot of Kratom, and uh, the withdrawals are really mild for me. You know, get a little sleepy, yawny, lack of motivation, cheery eyes. But that's really it. I'm not going to go rob somebody to go get more Kratom if I couldn't get it. Yeah, so this is a lot of the same stuff in this second article, but very interesting. And I encourage people to do that. I might as well just tell you who the next guest is after Dr. Mark Swagger is Melody Wolf, which actually Chris said again in his interview. I had been trying to get an interview with Melody for a while, and that was a a great interview but she gives a lot of tips on how you can advocate and become an activist just in your own area by how to uh, keep an eye out on what's happening in your town county and state but also she does stuff like this is she will send emails to the the editor-in-chief or the uh the author of the of, of these stories and basically get them get them reversed so then this one came out june 8th same paper, this uh, KRTV Great Falls number three. Great Falls one month ago, we published an article about the Cascade County Substance Abuse Prevention Alliance planned to deliver letters to retailers in Great Falls. Yeah, basically they were, I didn't say it in the original, but they're going to like gas stations and everything. They're saying, do you know you're selling this? If they don't know what they're selling, they shouldn't be selling it. Ugh. Asking them to reconsider selling Kratom in their stores. A lot of people reached out to us advocating for Kratom and or voicing their disagreement with some of the information in that story. We heard you, period. There's a lot that we don't know about Kratom, possibly even more that we do know. We know that Kratom is a plant that's native to Southeast Asia countries such as Thailand and Indonesia. We already knew that. We know it's first made in the United States in the 70s when American soldiers brought it back at the end of the war. We've been at war so fucking long. Kratom users and activists claim that Kratom has many benefits, including relief from acute and chronic pain and use of healthier alternatives to opioids. While the FDA doesn't support these claims, parties of both sides of the debate, clinical further studying and scientific studies are needed. 
which actually got into that with Mark Swagger too. He's like, if they're not, if they're saying there's not enough studies, he's like, it's bullshit. What they're saying is there's not enough of these uh, like double-blind placebo studies, studies that would be really hard to do in, in today's market. But there's tons of research out there that says it's safe, effective, low addiction potential, and then when it comes to uh, harm reduction, there's no question about it. That if you're trying to get somebody off of heroin, to me, it's way safer than methadone or suboxone. Ugh, man, suboxone is so fucking disgusting. I'm still suffering with it, with my teeth. Ugh. My mother-in-law said I should, I should smile more in the videos, but you know it's it's a serious topic, and like you'll be able to hear it in Chris and mine interview. There's a, and I didn't take it out because it's real that there's just a lot of frustration between the two of us in there, not with each other, but with this whole situation and how convoluted and over the top it has become that if the FDA wasn't the long arm of Big Pharma, that they would do their fucking job and we would have legal, safe Kratom. Oh, let me continue. Furthermore, researchers concluded that Kratom leaves exert a dose-dependent and complex range of pharmacological effects. While there are alkaloids in Kratom that these studies describe as similar to opioids, it is also important to note that some of the alkaloids found in the plant are either poorly characterized or not yet identified. I believe it. They're still discovering new cannabinoids in cannabis. Uh, but what about the deaths? Yes, there are plenty of recorded deaths, both in the United States by the Food and Drug Administration and overseas like Sweden. However, in the study titled The Medical chemistry and neuropharmacology of kratom a preliminary discussion of a promising uh, medical plant and analysis of its potential for abuse neuroscientist andrew krugel just mentioned him in the other story from columbia university in new york and dr oliver grunman a professor of chemistry at the university of florida college of pharmacy that there is a knowledge gap when it comes to the effects of the two main alkaloids found in kratom mitrogene and 7-hydroxymitrogene. And I never know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I hear people say it, mitrogenine. Based only on isolated human observations, the best that scientists can do it at, at this point is to hypothesize about the addictive potential of kratom plant extracts. They go on to claim that to date, no human fatalities can be solely attributed to kratom. So at least these, this publication decided to to step up and actually um, post some real shit. Uh, Mac Hatta with the American Kratom Association, aka we all know Mac, uh, addressed a cluster of nine deaths in Sweden in 2009. They were originally attributed to kratom. In 2011, Swedish researchers concluded that it was an adulted version of kratom called krypton that was responsible for those nine deaths. The main difference between kratom and krypton is that krypton includes the opioid analgesic odesmethetrol. Tramadol. I always just say a, a tramadol synthetic analog, which Haddo said is not found in pure kratom. And it goes on a lot of stuff from uh, from Mac. D DA declined to schedule kratom at the time. Since then, the FDA has resubmitted an eight-factor analysis on the DEA, which has been scrutinized by several members of the scientific community. You got that right. Asking them once again to schedule kratom. Hold on. The DEA declined to schedule Kratom at the time. Since then, the FDA has resubmitted an eight-factor eight analysis to the DEA, which has been scrutinized by member... Oh. Scrutinized, not argued against, because the AKA clearly, with their scientists, argued that the uh, eight-factor analysis that 
the FDA did was very poor and did not warrant it being scheduled. Of course, the FDA wants to schedule it. They can figure out how to do that. So there's a, this article goes on uh, a lot longer, and I skipped a bunch in the middle, but you get the idea. It's actually a kind of uh, balanced piece, so that's really good. Next story is Yale from the Yale Tribune. This is this is also pretty good news. So I guess I guess we got three good news coming up in a row here. Unpacking from the Yale Tribune, unpacking the debate surrounding the use of kratom. So this was actually a really good piece, and we've been seeing more and more positive pieces, but through a lot smaller, lesser-known publications recently. So just um, read some of this. Where am I with my count? Uh, it's gonna be a long show. Uh, one of the most popular, if not the most popular, instances is the illegal classification of cannabis. We have seen this kind of unfair judgment towards cannabis for the longest time. However, we have also seen it towards other natural products and the like. One of the most commonly and unfamiliar criticized natural products out there is Kratom. Article goes on, recreationally, which I don't know anybody uses recreationally. The people that I know who tried to use it recreationally, they're like, oh, this is fun. Like, it barely does anything, and it tastes horrible. So they don't do it. They'd rather smoke a bowl or something. It's not that much fun. Or drink alcohol, which I do not recommend. It makes me so sick every time. I got motion uh, sickness issues. So alcohol made me sick from when I was really young. So I, I don't want to drink it ever. Recreationally, Kratom is chewed or ingested as a tea with the effects being euphoric mood enhancements and heightened physical endurance. It sounds like it is a perfect solution. It is. It often is. However, it is also often criticized because it acts on opioid receptors. And so naturally, and frustratingly, in many ways, a rising back and forth has come on. goes on, governments often treat Kratom like it is just another substance that can, be, that can bring about addiction and poor health, or to say the least. However, this could, be, this could not be further from the truth. On one side of the debate, there are those who believe that Kratom should be legal, and on the other side are the individuals who believe or know from personal experience that Kratom is the best treatment for whichever ailments they happen to be taking it for, or just for a good time for those that use it recreationally, which I'm sure they're out there. I don't know. At the end of the day, it all comes down to doing the research, and the research is showing more and more that Kratom is so natural, in fact, that even consistent use over time is not as dangerous as alcohol. Kratom does not carry any harmful components that can bring about dangerous side effects. Just jump in here and say, yeah, like suppressing the respiratory system. And it's really interesting. This pathologist said in uh, Pennsylvania that the guy would have died from kratom toxicity, but also had heroin in his system. He would have died from the kratom alone. So the Yale Tribune gets it, but that pathologist doesn't get it. So, especially side effects that can be that can prove to be fatal. In fact, Kratom has been giving individuals around the globe their lives back and then some, owing largely to the fact that Kratom allows them to treat their ailments without having to rely on prescribed medications or otherwise, the, the likes of which often include chemicals, toxics, 
and which can be quite addictive and thus more dangerous. Kratom is all about giving individuals back the freedom and flexibility to their lives with relative ease and efficiency and free from aches and pains that have held them down in the past. The biggest and most important surrounding the use of Kratom is that it has not been found to be the sole catalyst of poor health in individuals around the globe. If anything, Kratom use has been found time and time again to be saving grace for affected individuals. The debate is raging. However, more research and studies are finally revealing the truth. If taken smartly, Kratom is no more dangerous than cannabis. This is just the start. The best is yet to come. Yeah, hopefully. You know, all this new research coming out about cannabis, all living beings have the endocannabinoid system. You regulate that that system properly, it, it's amazing. I mean, it, it will stop the spread of cancer cells and prevent new cancer cells from forming. I, got a, I found a great video on that. The talk I went to at the Museum of Science it was really good. Okay, so this next story is the one out of uh, Mississippi. So without further ado... My interview with Vicky Rose, I went and I, I already read the article, and then uh, Vicky hopped on, so we have a great talk. So let's get that interview with Vicky, and then we'll, we'll come back and I'll, I'll continue the news. So this next story out of Mississippi, we actually have some good news. And we have one of the advocates, Vicki Rose, on the line with us. Basically, it was Board of Supervisors, Monroe County, decided they were going to rescind the 13-month-long countywide ban. So I'm going to go through the story. I won't read it all. And then uh, Vicki will jump in here. Um, but Vicki, thanks so much for, for taking the time to, to come on the show. And talk no problem. Aberdeen, a uh, delegation of citizens, business owners, advocates of Kratom made an impassioned plea June 1st for the Board of Supervisors to overturn the countywide ban on the controversial herbal supplement for treating chronic pain. Their attempt was successful as the board voted 3-2 to two to lift the ban. ban has been in effect since May 2019, making it illegal for use, possession, purchase, distribution, sale, or the attempt to use Wow. Okay. Possess, purchase, distribute, sell, publicly display for sale kratom. During June 5th meeting, board attorney David Houston presented an order he prepared on the matter, which included a provision basically making it 21 older. Talk a little bit about the House Judiciary Committee meeting that they had last month or last week. Neither committee took action to ban the use of the product, choosing to leave the issue to county and local governments, she said. Family members offered overwhelming support for the product in their testimony. Monroe County resident Sherry Owings, who traveled with to Jackson with Rose, shared her success story. So she takes it for chronic pain, was in a bad car accident 32 years ago, and I only take it when I hurt. She used to be an alcoholic as well as addicted to pills. This next part, though, business Reno Rayon complained that he's losing customers to the stores, neighboring counties who are shopping for Kratom. He asked Sheriff Kevin Crook if he has any had any cases in that Kratom has been demonstrated to harm a user. Crook said he hasn't encountered any cases in the six months he's been in office. And then just a quote from Vicky here said, you made history, delighted Rose, said to the supervisors as the delegation left the room. So that's basically what Monroe Journal had for the story. And they've done a number of Kratom hit pieces, a lot of uh, misinformation, propaganda coming from them. 
so if you want to just tell us like how the how the day was oh yeah i wanted to ask you did you know what was the penalty because it was like i didn't realize that this this long list they had of basically you couldn't even be around kratom it's really quite insane the penalty um, for the local ordinances across northeast mississippi includes uh, i think it's jail time up to six months and a thousand dollar fine Jeez. so you know, one of the things that I've been saying when I approach the local boards about this issue is, you know, you're creating criminals. You're writing one more law that's going to turn peaceful citizens into criminals. And, you know, the article mentioned the passionate pleas that were made. And as Sherry stood up there and told her story about having had been an alcoholic and how the day that she started Kratom when her um, husband had found it for her all after that. Stand up there. She put her own life on the line. She put, her, she put herself at risk for the rest of the population of Monroe County individual choose to consume the product. And the interesting thing about Monroe County is that the county itself had a ban, but none of the cities within the county had a ban. So this Reno store was the only store in the county who could not sell it. And when the ban was put in place, he actually lost employees. He had to lay off an employee because that's how oh, much wow. money he was making to be able to sell the product. And his customers went someplace else because to stores where they could purchase it just a couple miles down the road. I was gonna say, so, they only have to travel like a short way to, to the next county, right? The way the layout is of the county um, situation there, it's, it is banned in Columbus, which is directly south of Monroe County. And where Reno's store is, Columbus is closer than Clay County, which is my county. And um, I was able to save it in Clay County. I didn't know about the ban that was coming up in, well, I take that back. I did know about the ban that was coming up in, in Columbus, but I had reached out to the libertarian affiliate there asking them, will you do something about this? I didn't live there. So mm -hmm. they, you know, that's their territory. Let them take care of it. And I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but I, I'm not a consumer. I've never consumed the product myself. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I just, I had, I think the alliance uh, had come to the, my city council meeting last mm -hmm. spring, and they were trying to tell my board of selectmen, you need to ban this product. And they stood up there for 45 minutes spewing their lies, the ones that you read about in the Monroe County Journal, just painting this broad stroke about with what it is, this big picture of how bad it is. And I, my response internally was, not on my watch. This is not happening. So I put Good. out the plea to people in my my city and I in my county and I said, "Tell, give me your stories. I know that you're too scared to go approach our board members because if it becomes legal, then you're going to be on their radar. And I couldn't have that happen to the people who live in my community. So I decided to be a voice for them. And that video went viral of me standing in front of the board of supervisors. And so then the Kratom community in Mississippi found me and they asked me to come and help them speak. So actually with the Monroe County um, issue that happened this year, the one that this article is referencing that you were reading, mm -hmm. 
Leslie Smith, who is also in that picture with me there, she lives in Monroe County. She's running for um, local office there this year for election oh, nice. commissioner. She has actually been the one that was has been very instrumental to the ban being overturned in Monroe County. She did a lot of um, sitting down and talking to people to the to this new supervisors and to the sheriff and just giving them the information one-on-one -on -one. and that's what people need to be doing sitting down having coffee well when this coronavirus i don't know if it's kosher or not but you know getting on the phone or even a video call with them and really explaining it to them giving um putting information in their hands so i said you know about sherry to the board of supervisors you know, right now she's standing here and it's illegal for her to be consuming this. But the only way that she's able to live her life is to consume this product. I said, we are living in the midst of people protesting around the country right now because of police brutality. And I looked at Sheriff Crook and I said, the sheriff over there does not want his deputies to go and harm somebody because they are using a product that's allowing them to live. We are trying to help our law enforcement be trusted again in our communities. And if we continue to allow laws to be enforced, or we're keeping peaceful citizens who are just trying to live their life and not harming anybody, if we continue to allow these kinds of laws to be enforced, and then she can go to jail, we don't have trust in our law enforcement. And you also run the risk of, of her door being be beaten down because there is a history in Monroe County he's coming in with no knock and shooting holes in doors. I said that. And, you know, I think it really hit home. Yes, we have a new sheriff and it's not happening under his watch, but it did happen under the previous sheriff's watch. And we're doing this because we, I said, because you might not morally agree with something and you might be scared of something you don't know about. It's time for you to make a change in the way you approach governing and the way you approach, you know, your moral stance with issues. They're not hurting anybody. So we left the room and it took about a good 20 or 30 minutes where they went into closed door executive um, session to discuss mm -hmm. this. And the motion was actually made by one of the two new supervisors to actually uh, reverse the ban. So they called us back in and they took a vote to reverse the ban. And when I left, yes, I did. I said, you have just made history. And the reason they made history is because this is the first county the first local government in the state to reverse a ban on a schedule one substance. And to stand up to the Louds County Task Force. They're, they're a lot of fun to deal with. Jeez, oh, So you sent me a Facebook video a little while ago and I, I watched it and like the information this doctor was saying, you said gave testimony. I don't know if that was during the uh, House Judiciary Committee meeting or Senate Judiciary Committee meeting when they were working on the, when they were trying to ban it. Can you talk about that a little bit about what he was saying? Because I want to say Easternly. You said that uh, Dr. Henningfield was about to get up and take a question and he okay. kind of jumped ahead and said, one of the questions was, what do you do if someone having a kratom overdose? And he said, suboxone. Right. So what we see with these doctors and these facilities is they're pill pushers 
for some of the remedies that are typically used for people with overdosing or using some of the other, um, you know, medications, opioids and whatnot. And so and while we all sat there on the other side, because they had the room divided, all the pro were over here and all the anti-Kratom, you know, users, people opposed to Kratom being um, kept uh, legal in our state. We're sitting in the other side of the room. We're all sitting, oh my, you know, we're just shaking our head. We were ready to just jump up and, and yell, yell at the gentleman. But, you know, we had to keep our calm and couldn't riot or anything. And <laughs> it worked to our advantage. You're right. He was saying things that were blatantly false. And if, if he is, in fact, using those substances, the uh, people who I have talked to getting off of their withdrawals they've talked about how suboxone was actually worse for them than the the opioids that they were on and the impact yeah, that, most, that had for them most definitely I, I use kratom to come off of suboxone or i would switch from suboxone to buprenorphine and what i usually tell people i'm like if kratom is so strong why were the withdrawals coming off suboxone such hell even with the help of kratom and cannabis like if it, if kratom's so powerful, I should have just I should not felt of withdrawals at all. I mean, it definitely helped ease it, but yeah, the suboxone withdrawals are terrible. The greatest thing that happened this winter for Mississippi was this bill has been presented to the state um, house and the state senate for this is the third year now that I know of. I don't think it's been more than three years to schedule kratom as a schedule one substance like they wanted to do in the national level in a couple of states have already done right. and what they've done at the local levels and the greatest thing that happened to mississippi with regard to the kratom issue this year was the fact that the number of people who sit on the two senate subcommittees that it was introduced that it was sent to judiciary a and the drug policy committee it represented almost half of the members of the state senate that's how many people sit on those two committees combined. There's a couple of overlap. So almost half of the state Senate voted not to ban Kratom. And then in the state house, we had it in just one drug policy committee. And that drug policy committee in the state house, I think it had about 13 or 14 members. There's 122 members of the state house. But that particular committee voted to not ban Kratom. They had the opportunity to ban it. They had the opportunity to schedule it as a schedule one and that entire committee voted no. Now granted the drug policy committee in the, um, in the state Senate did try to get the um, KCPA passed out of committee because they voted for that. But then the, the drug task force got to Jud A, the Jud B committee and you know, like, no, 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 you can't you know, do this. So they didn't take it up. They just let it die. They tabled it, and they they just completely let the KCPA die. The Senate, the the House Drug Policy Committee, the task force got to them also, along with the MBN and a couple of and um, Dr. Dobbs's crowd did also, who is the Department of Health, did a little bit of fear mongering in there, some false information, and um, got in their ears. So they had some um, issue with local controls. Now there is one, there is one thing that I really want to work on in Mississippi, and I'm going to be um, sitting down with a couple of lawmakers because I have about four or five bills. I'm going to try to um, get some people to help me with. And one of them is to make a law that prevents the judges from, because right now we have people that are on parole 
And even though kratom is not a banned substance, if you're found with kratom in your body, you're sent back to prison. I don't know if you heard about the people who were, who were um, the rioting and the killing in Parchment in Mississippi back in January. One of the no, is, is that the, was, the prison? Yes, in, yeah. in the Natchez area. One yeah. of the gentlemen who was sent back to prison and was killed in, during the riots, he was on parole and he was using kratom as um, a way to prevent himself from being on um, opioids and other drugs. He's dead today Jeez. because of that. And we, we, the judges, you know, they get to make these, these decisions. Yeah, I, I've seen it in numerous states where people ask me, can I use Kratom? I'm on, uh, you know, drug court or something like that, probation. And I was like, I tell everyone, I'm like, you have to be very specific and read your court papers because a lot of the places are like you were saying in Mississippi, it's um, any mind altering substance. Like they could, it, it's very vague. So it could be like coffee, you know, like anything that like kava or something that you know you would think is really benign which i actually think kratom is pretty benign so that i mean that that's great anything any type of law that prevents you know any type of government overreach is is good in my book which which a lot of people they kind of get into the to the debate of how i how could i be a more of like a voluntarist or anarchist um i guess libertarian but more of a voluntarist that how could i be for the kc PA because it's it it it, re, it basically applies a, a fee onto the licensing of the the vendor and then you know you're there, there is like some you know, basically it's it's some type of regulation that that will I guess you could say bring harm if if it's only a fifty dollar fee but you will get fined if you don't register but right now it's like the big big thing is that it's like we don't have a choice like the all these states are pushing to ban it so right now it's either a ban or regulation like there's i am afraid the free market is no longer going to be viable option with how many people are trying to ban it i'm you know right there with you i don't like regulation and i did sit down and have a, a good long talk with dr mary ruart about the kratom issue and about regulation is there any other idea that you can have that any other way we could approach this as an alternative that I can present to my state senators other than the KPA. And the conclusion that both she and I came to was this is better than the alternative right now. Because the alternative right now is people being hurt because they don't have access to this. So the KCPA right now, even though there stands a chance for it to be a monopoly, um, with regard to, because there's only one organization that certifies and validates, hopefully that would, you know, open up the opportunity for more certification and validation organizations right. to be able to open up. We don't want a monopoly. Um, that's one of my fears with this. And then them lobbying and, and as we see with, you know, with regulation, we see that those who are regulated are the ones that control the regulators. We don't want that to happen. But we also don't want people to be harmed. And I might not be a consumer of it, but I don't know down the road where life is going to take me or my children or my parents. And if this is an option that's available to them to bring relief so that they can live, then they should have that option. So it's not, it's not about 
oh, I, I consume it. So I'm fighting for me. I'm fighting for everybody. And I'm going to continue to fight for it in Mississippi because it's, it's a, if we can just do one of these things, you know, everything else is illegal or, you know, bad. Heck, our state, I, I was in Phoenix helping my friend get on the ballot to run for mayor of Phoenix, which she did, by the way. And um, she, she got on the ballot. And I'm reading my, my updates, and I get this update coming through. And Mississippi is no longer a dry state. And my governor actually signed the bill. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, my, oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> how long has prohibition been, um, you know, not a thing for the entire country? And we're officially not a dry state anymore. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, uh, you need to celebrate. You uh you took you took us through that day a little bit. This uh this most recent one where the um the story was on. Uh anything else you you want to say about that day or what stood out oh, from, from I'm, that day? I'm sorry about that. So oh going back to that day, it was there was the stories from the people who were concerned, the the, the supervisors who were concerned about teens getting their hand on it and possibly using it and consuming it for whatever reasons they wanted to. And this is one of the things that the task force had talked about. We're just really blessed that there was a new supervisor who was ready to buck the system and say, you know what, I'm willing to look at this. Um, I, I know that there are people in my church who will consume this? I mean, he said there are people in my church who consume this and they don't get high off of it. And nice. it was, it was really nice. And the sheriff has been, honestly, has been um, an ally since even before he ran, even before he won. We knew that he was an ally. And so to have him in that room, because he's always in the board of supervisor meetings, that's, that's how the system works. So to have him in that room and to be able to speak toward, you know, this is something that helps people and it's not harming people. That was a really big blessing for the citizens of Monroe County. We're, you know, trying to work on some other, you know, local things here. I can't talk about it, but there, there's some stuff in the works that we're, you know, going to try to replicate, but we know that we're going to be facing even greater opposition because we had one win. But if, you know, if anybody wants any information about it or wants, is in Mississippi and wants to try to, you know, help out or get involved at a very local level, I know that the Adam Association is putting out information, but we're just a group of citizens, not affiliated with any, any particular organization. We're just people. You know, um, we don't have any funding behind us like the mighty arm of the um, AKA does. We know what we need to do. And that's been, that's been something that's really interesting too, is watching. And, and I want everybody that's hearing this to really, really listen to this. You know your backyard better than the AKA. AKA magnificent. What the AKA is doing, mobilizing armies and getting people to do the work that they need to do is great. I have seen in, I think it's in Louisiana, where they are starting to mobilize a more of a local level and they're trying to get groups of people together. And I think they saw what we did in Mississippi as, because I was pushing back personally and they were kind of worried that what I was saying and doing was going to com, um, contradict what they were doing. And I had told some of the people from the beginning, you don't know my state. 
the way that you think things work in New York or in California or Minnesota, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia, it doesn't work like that here. I know how my state works and I know how my lawmakers work. I know how the minds work of the people on the local level. And even across the state of Mississippi, the local politicians in one pocket of the state are going to respond differently than another pocket of the state. So you know your backyard better than a national organization does. Utilize the tools that the AKA and other organizations are giving you to connect with people, but you need to stay engaged and remember that you know your neighborhood the best and communicate with the people in your backyard in a way that resonates with them. Be kind, don't, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of passion that we can use, especially when you're facing the fact that your livelihood or your way of life is potentially being taken away from you. There's a lot of passion behind that. You have to know how to use that passion in the right way so you're not turning people away and so it doesn't go in one ear and out the other. Be very respectful and kind to the people that you're talking to they yes they employer and you have employees underneath you are you going to bark at them and yell at them and are you going to belittle them and expect them to actually do the job no they're going to walk away and they're going to quit or they're just going to their hands and do nothing because they're gonna be tired of you yelling at them. Yes, the the politicians, we elect them, we pay their bills with their taxpayer dollars, but they're also human. So they expect to be treated with a level a certain level of respect just like you expect in your home. So utilize the AKA, AKA. Make sure you're signed up with whatever it is for email registration for the alerts that they have sending out because that is a great tool because they are listening. They do have lobbyists there, but also pay attention at your local level and make sure that you're building and developing relationships with your local government, government offices, not just your city council and your board of supervisors, but also your um because if they see you and if they sit down and have coffee with you and they understand that you're not high and strung up and you're drinking this thing called Kratom, it's going to be more of a real picture for them. And the other great thing that, that they love is when you actually go to the Capitol building because you're going to where they work and they understand that you are taking time out of your day to go where they are at. And that speaks volumes rather than just sending an email and just calling them on the telephone but putting your feet on the pavement getting in your car and going down there or up there or out wherever it is they're going to remember you and I think that's something that we had to our benefit in Mississippi we were in front of their face every week we were talking to them we were walking the halls we were giving them new information every week and they made the decision to not ban in Mississippi and that brought us the ability to go to Monroe County and say, hey, look, the state legislature, they had an opportunity to ban it and they didn't. So now you can say, look, because what is happening at the local level is the city and the counties, some of the things that we're hearing from these local government officials is we want the state to make a decision about this. So we're going to ban it until they decide what they want to do. That's exactly what they're saying. So I, tur I turned the table on them and I said, this is what you're saying. You wanted the state to make a decision on it. Well, the state did make a decision. They devoted to not ban it. So now it's time for you to reverse the ban. Nice. Yeah, I think the, the work that you're doing with, 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 your, with your crew and Leslie, it's, uh, it, it really shows like what you can do at a local level. And I find constantly that, 
And I guess this is kind of what the KCC is doing with their, the AKA with their new coalition, but people are like, we're always on our back foot when we hear about a ban and then we show up. So I think it's great advice that you, that you were saying that really get out there ahead of it and get to know your, your, your local uh, elected officials. I think it's great. I think it's a big win. What's next for, for Mississippi? I know there's still a bunch of counties that, that are still banned. I know Mac, I talked to Mac Haddow. He said that the, he's like, yeah, the guy running the Louds County Task Force, he's like told me that he's been pumping this, this information for years. And now he's realizing that a lot of it was probably false. So you guys going after more counties or, or what's next? I can't quite play our hand. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we, we are, um, we're not done. Good. We're not done. Good. And if, and if people want, you know, they can contact the AKA again and, you know, do the work with them. They can find, uh, find myself and I can put them in contact with whoever, whatever group it is in their local area that's trying to do it. I'm a busy person. I have my hands on a lot of things right now. I have about three or four campaigns I'm working on on top of this. And then, like I said, I've got about three or four bills that I'm going to try to be presenting to a couple of lawmakers to get written for next year. So, but I'll plug you in. And we'll get you going and give you the support that you need to to um, make, to make some changes in your in your city or your county. If you want any of us to come out with you, uh, you know, alongside, I mean, that's what Leslie did. She's like, Vicky, I need you there to actually speak. She does, you know, some of the speaking and some of the other people do. But I guess for some reason, whatever it is I say tends to resonate with the lawmakers. So they just they just want me there to be able to do that. I'm I'm willing to do that. Nice. Um, do you want to give out your, your Twitter or how to get in touch with you? Sure. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y, the letter C like cat, rose like the flower, Vicky C. Rose on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook at Mississippi Libertarian Gal. Nice. All right. Uh, Vicky, thanks so much for coming on. Anything else before we go? No, I really appreciate you bringing light to this. This is a great win for Kratom. And if uh, you know, people are, you know, having wins. We need to be celebrating them. Definitely. Yeah, that's exactly. I had so much fun talking with Vicky. I really hope to be, uh, to be doing it again. I know that, um, it kind of had a little trouble with Zoom, but that way I was able to get it on video and you can see the full thing on my YouTube. Should be within this week. But, uh, yeah, she's doing, her and the ladies down there are just doing um, really great work, and it's uh, it's pretty incredible. So, really great time talking to her, and I hope to have her back for a full interview, which that kind of turned out to be. But, like I said, we, just that information. Man, about that that prison in Mississippi, some guy, 20-something, gets out of jail, on probation, consuming Kratom to help him sustain from opiates then the drug court laws are so fucking vague that they throw them back in for a legal substance i'm sure because their their laws say uh any mind-altering substance which if the judge really wanted to could throw people back in for for using coffee or smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol oh boy um yeah i couldn't believe it he gets thrown back in jail and dies in jail I mean, like, 
what's happening, still happening in this country, of people claiming to have a, a higher claim over individuals' lives than we do over our own lives and be able to use deadly violence against us for possessing certain plants or chemical compounds. When you break it down like this, it's a no-brainer. So this next story out of Ireland. Uh, over 80,000 pounds worth of cocaine. Cocaine-like kratom seized at Shannon Airport. Oh, my God. People are so fucking crazy. Look at the, the valiant dog who scored the big one. Significant amounts of the... Yeah, four kilos, you fucking jokes. Significant amounts of the drug has been seized by revenue officers at Shannon and Dublin Airport. I want to see what the fine is, because maybe I'm going to become a, uh, an Ireland freedom trafficker. This bank. Look at this when you, when you, uh, when you, when you do the conversion. 81,000 pounds. Over almost $95,000 for four kilos. Wow. Yeah, they say that. I don't know anybody in Ireland who's going to pay that. Cosimon originated in Luxembourg and was destined for an address in Mayo. Investigators with an ongoing case. If you're smart, never send drugs to your address or with your name. So hopefully, uh, in this case, not drugs, but Kratom. Hopefully uh, this person got away because it... They're they're tallying it up like it is cocaine. They're saying the effects are like cocaine. I'm pretty sure the jail time would be like cocaine with these crazy people. And it says Kratom comes from uh, Evergreen Tree in Southeast Asia. Uh, low doses, it's cocaine-like stimulant effects, but at higher doses, kind of sedative effects. Bind to the same opioid receptors as heroin and morphine. Oh, my God. When, when they say this, it's like, it's like minor. I want to, like, shake somebody. Like, do you have a science degree? I don't have a science degree. I barely understand G-coupled proteins, but I understand enough to say one is a non-bias agonist and another is a biased partial agonist. Same receptors, yeah. Fucking cheese and dairy and chocolate and cigarettes and sex, they all react on those same receptors. Kind of like what's happening with uh, with COVID with these uh, computer models. You know, the FDA ran it, ran uh, Kratom through some computer models. That, oh, it's on the same receptors. So kind of like all these deaths with uh, with COVID. Oh, that's a whole other subject. Okay, well, that, that's pretty much it. They're just talking shit about Kratom um, and how uh, awesome the, the revenue officers are and their, their assistant detector dog, Blue. Can't believe they, they train them to smell Kratom. Uh, okay, so that's that's out of Ireland. So if you're in Ireland, be careful. This one is very interesting. Custom Border Patrol seizes more than four hundred thousand dollars worth of salmonella kratom in Detroit. It is a lot of packages, but I don't think it's four hundred thousand dollars worth. Twelve hundred pounds. So this is very interesting because laced will give you the, um, you know, if you buy drugs, if you buy Kratom that's laced, you don't want that because you don't know what's in it. It's laced with something. Laced is like somebody put it in there. And salmonella and Kratom is just shitty processing. If someone's trying to put salmonella in Kratom, there's some other collusion or uh, conspiracy going on there. But... What, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but what makes this really interesting is that these packages came from China. Inconsistencies to include an unusual description on the shipping manifest and classification discrepancies. 
they um the DEA FDA now operate under um you know it's a computer system so they have keywords like when all that shit was going on when the export when the Indonesian distributors couldn't get it out of the country they started uh, marking it as other products green tea or um, I forget which other ones but they basically have like a search engine keywords so if it's uh, green tea from Indonesia the package gets pulled off to the side so you know they will find stuff really fast these days. The intended imports, which originated from China, were manifested as botanical soils from Canada. I don't know anybody, though officers and specialists believed it to be consistent in appearance to bulk green tea. Yeah, it's smarter to call it green tea. But if you look at this packaging, I mean, the Custom Border Patrol busted it open. There they are. They're 400,000 worths of, of Kratom. I don't know anybody who's buying Kratom from China. So, you know, it's a bad headline, but then you, 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 you read it and you're like, well, I guess that's good. So these next stories, the, out of a marijuana moment, and then a bunch of other publications covered it, such as Boston Globe. CDC flooded with comments on marijuana and Kratom as alternative painkillers ahead of deadline. So, yeah, they, they asked for, let's see, I don't think I highlighted anything there. Um, so they, they asked for, uh, let's see what day this was, published a month ago, June 15th. So yeah, they asked for comment, a whole comment period. I didn't get to submit mine. I should have. But basically looking for opioid al- uh, alternatives and people's experience with opioids. So the Kratom community very smartly took it as a chance to advocate for Kratom. With one day left before a deadline for the public to submit feedback on pain management options, the CDC has received hundreds of comments related to medical marijuana and more than 1,000 concerning Kratom. The federal agency's National Center for Injury Prevention and Control is looking for input on, in quotes, individual stakeholders' values and preferences related to pain and pain management options, end quote. The article goes on and says more than 200 people talked about either marijuana or cannabis, about 70 discussed CBD, and more than 1,000 discussed kratom, a less-known herb that has been shown promise as a pain reliever. There were a total of 3,682 comments submitted as of Monday afternoon. That's the main story. It's it's really good uh, that the CDC here hear from more of us. And this was kind of interesting. I don't know if I... I guess I did highlight some of the stuff here. Um, Out of Natural Products Insider, website I haven't heard before, but state legislators seek a Kratom meeting with FDA commissioner. In a letter to the FDA's commissioner, Dr. Stephen Hahn, lawmakers from... uh, To the commissioner, Dr. Stephen Hahn, it's no longer Gottlieb. We can hope Hahn's going to be better, but who fucking knows? Gottlieb was the worst... Working for Pfizer, getting the most money he's ever gotten. In a letter to Stephen Hahn, lawmakers from four states suggested it would be a fool's game for the agencies to try to keep Kratom from, from consumers. So basically it talks about uh, four lawmakers from Arizona, Georgia, Utah, and Nevada who sponsor their Kratom legislation. And the states have requested a meeting with the top official of the FDA, an agency that's long raised concerns about the safety of a botanical from Southeast Asia. Of course, like like all the other articles, I'll leave the link in the, in the description. But uh, I just wanted to read from this main part that uh, lawmakers use CBD analogy. In the letter to Han, the lawmakers stated 
his comments on CBD reflect their conclusions about Kratom. Although FDA has maintained CBD cannot be lawfully sold in dietary supplements or conventional food, Han has acknowledged consumers perceive value in CBD and his agency wants to provide them information to help keep help them make the right decision. How do you make let people make their own fucking decisions? Just stay out of it. During February 2020 conference in Washington, D.C., the commissioner described as, described as a fool's game an attempt to keep CBD products from the American people. We're not going to be able to say you can't use these products, he said. Even if you did, it's a fool's game to even try that approach. The drug war. Everything about the fucking drug war just summed up in, in Han's statement about CBD. If Han reviewed the the creative marketplace, you would agree that the same principles apply to creative consumers, lawmakers wrote to him. There are between 10 to 15 million creative consumers in the United States today, and demand is growing rapidly every, every year. Due to its low rate for adverse events, according to the letter, consumers prefer botanical over conventional medicines, and to help stain from the use of either more harmful substances, Kratom advocates have warned that banning the substance could exasperate rather than mitigate the opioid epidemic by depriving consumers of a safe alternative to addict and dangerous drugs. The lawmakers Bramble, Jones, Riviero, and Wheeler were principal sponsors of the version of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act incorporated into law in Arizona in May 2019, Georgia April 2019, Utah in March 2019, and Nevada June 2019. It's good because, like I was talking about, that CB... I want to call it a... I forget the name of it. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I don't know. I can't find it, but... I'll call it Equinox or something like that, or... Epilocks. Yeah, basically, since that since that medication's been approved and is on the market through the through the FDA, it basically outlawed CBD. You see it everywhere, but it ha- it's, it has to be in, according to the FDA. It has to be in very specific category, like kind of similar to kratom. Like you can't take it for like really the only ones that are supposed to be on the market according to the CD, CDC and uh, FDA, depending on the state. And it's raw in the oil for topical use only. Recently, Massachusetts has decided to adopt that as well. I don't know. I was much more in support from uh, the KCPA until the stuff happened in Nevada that basically Board of Pharmacy can overturn it and say they're going to put it on the Controlled Substance Act, make it a controlled substance as a Class 1, Schedule 1. What's the point of having it then just to put further restrictions on the creating producers and to cut out the, the smaller businesses? I think we'll find out more tomorrow at the uh, the town hall. So these last three are all, all from the AKA, and I, I, I'm sure I used some of the information in the uh, creative news and current events. But um, basically the June 2020 legislative report uh, kind of goes into like what's happening with Kratom right now. One blogger putting up one report about... Um, this 2019 opiate bill that was afraid and kind of mobilized some people to start writing in emails, but there's been no action on that bill. And they go over a few things, um, basically what's happening right now with Corona and all that. So, so you can go look at it and the AKA update on Indonesia. I kind of went into that a little bit, or maybe I didn't. The, um, FDA, um, is basically coming after UPS and DHL and saying, don't let in Kratom packages. I haven't seen that. The last I got was May. I got, I got a package in 
a uh, substantial package of, of Kratom. So it's been coming in fine. I know that with Corona, the Indonesian Post, they stopped letting packages out because their uh, BPN, which is kind of like the DEA, their version of the DEA found extracts are candies and you're not allowed to export for um, human consumption. So they found um, something like that. So they're like, nobody can ship it out. So basically, many people had packages that were stuck there. Uh, I believe that was 2018. So I knew that was happening. And then right now with the corona, the they basically said that they're, they're not shipping anything through their post service. And... Uh, DHL was the only one that was doing it, but apparently they can still get it out because I've talked to a few different distributors, Indonesian distributors that can still get packages out. So, but they, he did talk about that they, when they, they're still planning to go to Indonesia, which I was planning to go to Indonesia too, and then Corona and life, that they're, that the Kratom ban is still on, you know, it's at five years, I think from 2018. So they're still pushing that, but they said the AK is going to go out there and they're meeting with the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Trade, Ministry of Agriculture, and Ministry of Finance, as well as they said that Thailand is not only looking to regulate, but they're also looking at an export market. So if Indonesia shuts it down, that there's very high potential that uh, Thailand is going to be taking over that export market. Might start making some uh, some Thai connections, see what I can find for when it does become legal and they start exporting. And then the last thing was the the meeting uh, tomorrow, but this this probably won't be out till tomorrow. So that that's about it for creative news and current events. And uh, next up, we will have Chris Redding interview. Great interview. It's just so fascinating to me to talk to. I, both it just so happens both Vicky and Chris. Vicky doesn't consume Kratom at all, and Chris barely consumes Kratom. He uses it when he works out. So super interesting to me. You know, they, they got these people that are really standing up for it, and they're standing up for all of us, and um, it's, it's, it's a civil rights issue. Up next is the Chris Redding interview, but first, now would be a good time to give away some candy. So we really liked it last time, Kratom Guy Show Facebook page. Find us at Kratom Guy Show, facebook.com slash Kratom Guy Show. So please go give the Facebook page a like, and we will choose one lucky person to get some uh, free candid sample giveaway. So, um, yeah, join us uh, join us up on our Facebook, and then we'll let you know when the, the giveaway recipient will be choosed. Thanks so much. This week on the show, very special guest, Chris Redding. Chris is a Kratom advocate from Maryland. He's an Army veteran who was a captain. He holds a MBA and has been employed as a financial analyst since leaving active duty in 2003. He says in order to stay active, he currently trains and participates in triathlons. The heavy weight training and exercise regimen required to compete in these types of events leads to various aches and pains which is how Kratom has become a part of his life and has had a very positive impact. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's really great to have you on. So I do have a couple questions for you, and then we have a great document that you sent over, lots of great information in there. But before we get into all that, you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into Kratom? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Like, like, like you said, I was, you know, I was in the military, and you know, part of military life is being uh, physically active and you know, running and all sorts of other physical uh, activities. So when I left the military, I was just looking for something to, to stay active. Um, I originally started, you know, running, doing a lot of long distance running, running marathons. Uh, I played rugby for a little bit, um, but then I, I tore my ACL. So um, I had ACL replacement surgery. And as far as the, the rehab, I started riding a bike. And I immediately, you know, fell in love with riding a bike. And then that kind of just progressed into learning how to swim. And then I got into these triathlons. So I'm getting up there a little bit in age. You know, I'm in my, my 40s now. So it's just, you know, the aches and pains of, you know, doing all the swimming, biking, running, lifting, just, just led to, you know, a lot, of, a lot of pain and just, you know, back pain, knee pain, hip pain. So I was taking a lot of Advil, Tylenol, you know, over-the-counter stuff. And my, my wife, you know, became concerned just the amount that I was taking and just some of the effects it could have on your body. So she, she I did some research, and she found um, this herb, Kratom. Um, this was probably in the spring of two, 2016. Um, so I started taking it just as a recovery tool instead of taking, you know, your Advil or your Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I immediately saw that, you know, it really helped knock out the pain. But the other thing I noticed, because um, I was taking a you know a lower dose, is it it had more of a stimulating effect. So that kind of got me my you know just thinking that this has other utilities outside of just recovery. So then I started experimenting with taking it during actual training exercise, and uh, like I've kind of read in other places in my experience, it's just it provides you know stimulant sort of to a nice cup of coffee mm-hmm. and it also has that uh ability to release some of the pain and i know there's others you can't use but basically says that you know it kind of gives me a, a sense of well-being mm-hmm. so and this is well i don't want to get too hard, far ahead but i mean <laughs> just, just to give some aspect or some description of how i use it so i don't know how familiar you are with triathlons but there's a swim portion you bike and then you run. And the mm-hmm. distance that I've been mostly training for is the Olympic distance, which is about a mile swim. It's a, a 20, 25 mile bike ride and then a, um, a 10K run, which is six miles. So I've been taking Kratom during the bike portion towards the tail end of the bike portion. And it just kind of relieves some of the pain of you know, being on the bike for so long and just some of the angst that you get from, from racing. And then that. That helps me out once I get to the run because my legs feel a little better and my mind feels a little better. Oh, I've seen you around Twitter for a while in the same Kratom advocacy circles, but your name came up when I interviewed Nick Wing. Nick said that while he was working for HuffPost, writing and investigating Kratom, that it was you that helped him uncover some false or misleading information revolving a what was deemed a Kratom-associated death, but... It was actually you that uncovered it was a gunshot wound to the chest. That was in the, the initial FDA batch. I have to give a shout out to, to Chris uh, on, on Twitter. I, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but I think it's Reading or Reading. And he actually caught that. There was a, you know, in the, in the, the actual case documents they released along with that, that claim of the 44 deaths, they had uh, pretty much entirely, I think, redacted that case. But... Uh, it did actually show up in another database of theirs as a homicide by gunshot in which the, the victim had, I guess, had 
positive for mitragynine and, and kratom. So they, he had lumped it in with the the broader you know batch of kratom associated deaths. And it's you know the fact that they the fact that they redacted it in the documents they released to the public does really give me some pauses. I can understand why it's, it looks like deliberate manipulation. In terms of the, their decision to include it, I think they really just included all of the cases in which someone had died and had been found to have mitragynine in their system. Uh, so if you, if you look at all the deaths around the country, you conclude that only 44 people died at all under any circumstances with mitragynine in their system. You know, to say that that's a, a dangerous threat is pretty absurd. I honestly, you know, I, I think it's totally fair to, to accuse the FDA of, of trying to deliberately manipulate the data by, by releasing cases, that, including, you know, redacting the really important information here, which is that this guy was shot to death. Uh, that's, that's insane, really, to me. But I think it just, it really is just evidence that they went for the broadest possible net they could cast and they only came up with 44 cases. And, you know, they're, they're continuing to expand that net and continuing to rope in more cases. But all of the cases really go back to this fundamental problem with how they're counting them, which is that they can't say how Kratom is killing people, and they can't even say if it is in a lot of these cases. And in a lot of cases, we know that it's not. It's, it's people being shot to death. It's people dying of other extenuating circumstances, as you said. Right. Uh... Probably, I mean, Nick gave me a shout out for it, and but I, I think I was just first on the scene. I'm sure with the amount of eyes and people in the creative community, somebody else would have stumbled upon it. But yeah, I just and I pointed out to Nick that the thing that amazes me one that the FDA would include that, and two that no other journalist or nobody else outside of Nick has even looked into it. And that, I mean, just as a citizen, that's just concerns me that the gov government would use such information to drive a decision in a law. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And then we'll get into it in a second, but because uh, you're in Maryland and now they're going to be taking, they're trying to take uh, or start some type of bill to make Kratom Schedule 1 that it would be great if we could get a group together. We would need to figure out some type of funding, but because AKA does such great work, but nobody's really doing the investigative journalism now that Nick's gone. I put together the show to kind of share my experience and get the word out about Kratom and talk about current events. But I really think it would be great if, if we could get some type of group together that is actually doing the, the FOIA requests, asking the hard questions, doing the digging, uh, showing up at events, exposing the, the corruption and kickbacks. Just something I've been thinking about because no one's really doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that you have that idea because that's what journalists are supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate that we'd have to raise money to get journalists to be journalists, you know. And, and through these four plus years, that's been the most frustrating thing is just these individuals publish, you know, articles and have not done even the basic research. I mean, just even the basic type this into Google and go past the first page. It's, yeah, I I was, I, I was talking to Nick about it, and I'm like, I guess it's not technically lying, that they're reporting false information. Is the way, and it's so sneaky, it's the way they phrase it. They're like, FDA has reported this. So they're just reporting what the Mockingbird Media is, what, what the FDA has said, not actually 
digging into what they said. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I have a meme that I use a lot, and I think I've posted on Twitter a bunch of times, but it's, it's, it's like journalist isn't going out and saying one person said it's raining outside, another person said it's not raining outside. It's your job as a journalist to look out the window and determine, is it raining outside? So in this case, they're just going to the FDA, and they're like, the FDA says it's raining. But the journalist doesn't look out the window and say, <laughs> no, it's not raining outside. I don't know. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's not really lying. And I, and I struggled to, to figure out, is it complacency? Is this really a conspiracy with, like, Illuminati or the pharmaceutical companies or what this is? But it just there's something going on. It's weird that there's so many lazy journalists or corrupt journalists or what's going on. It's just, it's just, it's very strange. Yeah, it really is. And like you, like you said, you hate to like hypothesize or, you know, kind of like weed out a conspiracy, but it's like, you know, how can there be this massive complacency on such a high level that there isn't some type of collusion or conspiracy happening? It, it, yeah, it's pretty bad. There's going to be a bill happening to try to schedule, create a schedule one in Maryland, as well as Mississippi. Um, now, you are in Maryland, and I know you said you talked to Mac Haddow. I don't know if that was uh, on Twitter or a phone call, um, but you said there's going to be some stuff happening in Maryland soon. Uh, you want to just talk about that? Right. So, I mean, I just I forget who put it out on Twitter, but yeah, so someone saw that, you know, Maryland. Uh, a state senator from, I believe, Frederick County, uh, Senator Young, introduced a bill proposing to make Kratom a Schedule One in Maryland. Um, as of right now, I think he's the only sponsor on the bill, so it doesn't look like it has too much weight behind it. But, um, you know, AKA, um, being proactive and, you know, as involved as they are, uh, they set up a meeting to, you know, just to go over the bill, proposed, proposed bill, I think next week, and then there's a Judiciary Committee hearing next Wednesday, which would be January 22nd. I'm not sure if they're taking testimony of that or how that'll work. So hopefully when this airs, the Maryland threat to ban or make Schedule 1 is over and the Creating Consumer Protection Act is in the works for Maryland. And I don't know, I don't want to go on too much of a rant, but it just, this state senator uh, maybe he had good intentions, but at the same time, I don't understand, even if Kratom was a dangerous substance, why you would introduce a ban without discussing it with other stakeholders. Obviously, he hasn't really talked to uh, the individual he represents in Maryland. I doubt he's talked to the law, law enforcement or Thought through, you know, the the support plan for what happens if you do ban it. I mean, it's it's easy just to say we ban something, but all the other impacts and all the other things you have to consider don't seem to be ever taken into account. It's I don't know. It's just it's frustrating. Yeah, it truly is because, like you said, it's really easy to enact a ban or say we're going to do a ban, but not really thinking about the moral or ethical side of it that. Okay, so what we're planning on doing is using state violence against people that want to use plants. And if you're going to use a plant, we're going to, like, either take money from you or lock you in a cage. Yeah. It's it, it's pretty unbelievable to me that it's 2020 now and we're still doing this shit. 
Right. Well, it's the whole, you know, yeah, learn from history. It's just, I don't know, we seem to be making the same mistakes. It's, it's, it's strange. And especially, I don't know too much about cannabis and its legalization, but it seems strange that you're ramping down, you know, the criminalization of cannabis because you've learned your lesson that this isn't a good idea. But then at the same time, you're ramping up, you know, the criminalization of another plant. It just, it just seems very strange to me. And maybe they're connected. Maybe, you know, you're, you're stopping a war on one thing. So in order to maintain your your funding or your workforce, you have to start a war with something else. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right because that's the way the DEA came to be. It was the the federal um, – I forget what they were called, but the, the tax agents that were cracking down on alcohol prohibition, that when alcohol prohibition ended – they had all these agents that needed drugs, so they switched them over to drugs, is my understanding of it. Yeah, there's actually a, I think it's Ken Burns that did a documentary on the prohibition of alcohol. It's like a three-part series. I saw on PBS years ago, but yeah, they went into that aspect. Where it was, yeah, yeah I, I, I actually saw that. The, uh, it, was, it was really good. Like I, yeah. I, I usually stay away from stuff that I would think would be like state-sponsored propaganda, but this was <laughs> the, uh, the, the the PBS uh, Prohibition thing, uh, the three-part series. That was actually really good. And, and just since you mentioned the DEA, and initially that was my, I mean, before I started doing really a lot of research, but back in 2016, that was my biggest sticking point with the emergency scheduling, because the DEA was basically creating the requirement and then seeking funding to satisfy the requirement. That's something, you know, the field I work into, the requirements and the person that asks for funding should be different people because then you become, you know, for better word, is, is a self-licking ice cream cone. Like basically you're defining requirements and then you're getting money to do the requirements. So, you know, they, they need to be separate. Uh, yeah, it's like the FDA's uh, import alert 5414. Um, right, yeah. uh, they just they deemed it themselves. Kratom can't be imported as a food or drug. So, like, and then they're the ones that are also enforcing it. Yeah, exactly. So you you put together this great article or paper going through your history with kratom and some of the the research information you found. So I have it in front of me. I, you kind of went through who you are and how you use it, and yeah, you. Should we just go through this go through this paper and we can kind of interject, you know, as we go? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. Um, I just want to stand up front. I'm, you know, my background is not in any kind of medical field, so anything talking about that kind of science, I, you know, I, I glaze over. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm fairly decent with numbers and just those make sense to me. So mm -hmm. through the years, the one thing that I've kind of always kept an eye on and done. A lot of little, you know, research in and pulling the string on is the poison control call numbers. So I don't know if you want to start with that or if you just want to get into a natural progression and we'll get to that. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, we, we can, we can start with that and then, yeah, and then I, I want to go back up to where you talk about the, basically mm -hmm. the self-reporting. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we can go through it, you know, however, however you want. But, yeah. So the poison control call numbers, and and one thing I'd always, if I ever had, you know, I, I can't do like 
like I'm a kid, I can't do a paper on anything, but I would almost want to go and do like a uh, schoolhouse rock uh, study on how a poison control call becomes logged in. You know, is it just somebody calling up, you know, what is Kratom? And then that gets logged in. And how do they verify that these calls are actually legitimate cases? But putting that to the side, just looking at the numbers, and I, I feel like, you know, one of those crazy people that has, you know, the big board all the string connected <laughs> things sometimes. And I've reached out. Uh, unfortunately, I think Nick had left, Nick Wing had left Huffington Post when I got on the on this. And I think I sent it to him and he was like, you know, it's interesting, you know, but nobody has really keyed in on some of the things I've keyed in on. And I don't know. I kind of want to throw it out there and see if I'm keying in on the wrong things or it just seems like these numbers are off. And in and of themselves, I think these poison control numbers are kind of a red herring anyway because they're so low compared to the total number logged. But they are used quite frequently to, one, justify pushing for a ban, and two, all these you know scare tactic articles that come out. So I think it's, it's important to have an understanding of the numbers and also, more importantly, make sure these numbers are accurate and that they're not misrepresenting what the numbers are showing. Right. To kind of start from the beginning, in 2016, when the DEA did their intent to schedule, they quoted a CDC report that covered the years from 2010 to 2015. They put in the report, I don't think they used the exact numbers, they just said there's been a tenfold increase in poison control calls, which means that Kratom is on the rise and, you know, this is a, an emerging threat. So the number they used, 2010, there was 26 calls, and in 2015, it went to 263 calls. So that's just the baseline that was established. And, I mean, just in general, using this tenfold increase or later more increase, it's, it's very misleading in itself. Because like we talked in the beginning, it's true, but it's extremely misleading. So just, so just establishing that from 26 calls to 263 calls. So then in February of 2019, there was a report published, uh, I believe it was out of Ohio, by Dr. Spiller. And that's when all these, there's been a 50-fold increase in Kratom calls, articles came out. I mean, there was like 15, 20 of those. Right. People again. The numbers he used was starting in 2011, going to 2017. 2011, there was 13 calls. 2017, there was 682 calls. So in, immediately, I, was, I wondered why he used 2011 instead of using the 2010 that the DEA uh, used. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, so I wrote Dr. Spiller, and you know, for, to his credit, he wrote me back, and he, he seemed like a nice guy and willing to share information for him. But this is what he wrote me back. He said they used 2011 instead of 2010 because in 2011, Kratom got a product-specific code in the system. Prior to that, it was either misspelled, um, it was labeled as other plant or generic hallucinant plant or unknown plant. So that kind of made me think that this increase over the years is just a learning curve of these the entry people and people calling into poison control of just knowing that Kratom has a specific code. So it's not really this 
if, if this <clears throat> is accurate, it's not really this emerging threat. It's just a better capturing of the data in the system. I've mentioned this several times to people, and no one's really caught on to it or, or has raised this as an issue. But it seems like, because these numbers are so low, if you're just coding things correctly and more frequently over the years, this would explain the upward trend. Right. But then, in May of 2019, a few months after the Dr. Spiller report, there was another report from a Dr. Uh, Eggleston, um, and he quoted slightly different numbers than Spiller. So I was just like, why do you have different numbers if you're pulling the same num same queries? But the one thing he did have was he said in 2000, up to, up, up to the first seven months of 2018, there's only been three, there's been 357 calls. So that made me think that if you double that, it's only 714 calls. So that shows a leveling off of the numbers. So I guess in summary, I don't think these poison pill calls are really showing what all these articles and all these government agencies are thinking they are. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if that was too far tangent, but it just seems like the uptick, uptick in calls isn't what people think they are. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, that Eggleston one, uh, I believe it's University of Rochester. Um, everyone was calling that a study. It wasn't a, a study. It was an analysis of the poison control uh, information. And like you said at the beginning when you're talking about poison control is that how does the reporting go? Because it's my understanding that this is an analysis of incomplete, inaccurate information. And, like, there's no follow-up if someone actually did go to the hospital or what happened to them if they took a nap and they felt better in a few hours. Like, right. or, And that is actually being reported now. Maybe it was this many numbers to begin with, or it's an uptick in the the popularity of it. But before reading this this paper that, that you wrote up, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize there wasn't a specific code for reporting it. So prior to, what was it, 2010, that there... 2011 is when the Pacific product code was established. Yeah, and you can see from 2011 to 2012, it went up from 13 calls to 98 calls. Right. So like I say, it might just be a red herring. It just... It, that was, you know, again, back to the journalist. It just bothers me that, I mean, there, I could, I could pull up almost probably 50 articles of just that, that open with, you know, dramatic increase and kratom calls to poison control, you know, and, and I don't know, sensationalized for, for really no reason or a very, you know, suspicious reason. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Yeah, there's, there's so much negative press on this. And, it's like Nick Wing. I think you mentioned this article that or this paper that Nick Wing has asked, and I've asked it. I believe you've asked it numerous times. Is if kratom is killing people, what is the mechanism that's killing them? Oh yeah, I, I think uh, I forget. I can't pronounce his last name, but a doctor Swoger put that on Twitter. Just like you know, what is happening? He's like, because it's been shown that it doesn't cause respiratory depression at the levels that would lead to, you know, death. So what is it then? 
I mean, there's been, you know, that, that, that liver study came out, but it seems from every case I've seen, which has been very few cases that actually happening, if there's going to be issues with the liver, it's going to happen after initial use. So, you know, once you're out of that initial use window where you realize your body can't metabolize it, I think I put this in the article as well. Um, this isn't a new substance. This is a plant. And I don't buy the whole, you know, it, it's a plant, it's natural, it's safe, because that's not, that's not true. There are unsafe plants. But this is a plant that has been consumed for thousands of years. I mean, there's, you know, in its home country. If it was deadly, you would see people dying in the home country. And then I, you know, I had that, I don't think I put it in the paper, but I had that tracker of just looking at deaths that are covered in the news. And there's nothing about Kratom until about 2014. And then everybody in the state starts dying. I don't, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I was going to say, and it doesn't make sense to me with the, the that uh, liver study that came out a little while ago. There is no mention of previous underlying health conditions, oh, exactly. uh, their their diet, their exercise, age, what, what other medications they were on, alcohol they consume, other recreational drugs they consume. Like, there's no mention of any of that. And what kind of bothered me about that study, and let's even say that there were, I, I want to say it was like seven cases. It was a very low number that were contributed to Kratom in this liver study. I hadn't read any articles about the 93 or how many other cases of other substances. Why would you walk away from that liver study and take one of the lowest substances oh, yeah. and write papers about it? What other substances, or unless there are any substances we know of, I mean, I guess it's, you know, the devil you know, the devil you don't know, but... Are there other supplements out there that are causing these liver problems? And where are the articles about those? I mean, I don't know. Maybe all the other cases were alcohol-related. But in general, the herbal supplement industry has some challenges. So it's just, it's just weird that we pick this one plant and, you know, demonize it and go after it. Yeah, it's it it really makes you think like why why if this if this information is so easy to find why is it being demonized so much exactly yeah let's go back up to where because um, I, I thought this was very interesting and I'm sure I've covered it a few times but and like this was something that really threw me with the Louds County the Mississippi Louds County Task Force that I actually listened to one of their small town or county meetings, and they go into a room, it's the three of them, um, the the sheriff, a retired sergeant, and I forget what the other guy does um, or did. And they say, oh, well, you know, we talked to this one person, and her husband is spending $800 uh, every week on it and has sold all their belongings, and uh, he's – and then, like, we talked to somebody else that's going down to the store and pawning their, their stuff to the store for the Kratom. Uh, it's always that they, it's hearsay and conjecture that they talked to somebody that said some something else uh, or someone told them that that's what they heard. And to me, it's like, all right, if I was in a family and I got caught doing opiates and I, I would, you know, it seems like a clear 
I don't know, a scapegoat, a clear scapegoat to use Kratom to be like, oh, no, I'm not doing heroin. I'm just doing Kratom because I don't know anyone that's spending $800 a week on Kratom. It's so ridiculous. You kind of went into the self-reporting when you started looking at, was it Pfizer? A, well, it kind of came about in, in after the DEA did their intent to emergency schedule. Uh, they put, they were going to do it in 30 days without public comment. And then, you know, the community pushed back and they opened up a registry for public comments. So public comments started flowing in. And I'm not, this is in the early days of a, uh, AKA, this is when, uh, Susan was in charge. And I'm not sure who set it up, but basically set together this team that would go through and look through all the comments and kind of record them. Look at, you know, metadata as far as, you know, their age, uh, you know, what profession they're in, whether it's positive or negative. So I was part of this team. Um, I can't say that I looked at every comment in the, in the, um, the registry, but I know that eyes were put on all 23,000 comments by people of this team. I think it was like an eight person team. Oh, wow. So going through, I, you know, I would write down each negative comment I received just because, you know, I just wanted to kind of keep a record of what these negative comments were, mostly for my own benefit, just because, you know, I, I had used, so I just want to see, is there really something here? And that's the thing that just kept coming through. Every negative comment wasn't, I took Kratom and XYZ happened. It was my husband, a relapse because of the substance, uh, speaking from experience with my daughter. Uh, I have witnessed a family member overdose on this drug. So it's like never firsthand knowledge of what's going of an impact. And like you said, there people keep secrets, people hide things and the stigma behind Kratom cuts both ways. You know, some people don't want to admit to using because, you know, Kratom's not openly acceptable, but at the same time, it's more acceptable than an illegal substance. Right. And then, and going back to our, our friendly journalist, granted a lot of these articles about people that have passed away. So obviously they can't be interviewed. But I have yet, and maybe they do exist out there, have seen an interview with an individual that comes on to one of these uh, broadcasts or in the papers and say, I have taken Kratom. This is what happened to me. I advise against taking it. You know, if this is such a problem, where are those firsthand testimonies for people warning other people? I'm sure if you went out and did an article, uh, article about heroin, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, anything else, you could, you know, find a hundred people that would come on air and say, this is what it did to my life. That hasn't been really the case for Kratom. And why, why is that? It, just, it doesn't make sense, especially after all these years. I mean, granted, I say this, maybe it'll start coming out now, but I mean, <laughs> those articles and, and interviews should have came out, you know, four years ago. And it's, uh, been, it's been flushed out, too, in these public testimonies, too. When you go to these public testimonies and the things I've seen in all these you know, states and other areas, it's really not the firsthand testimonies that are coming out. It's, you know, and unfortunately, it's people that have lost a loved one, and that's, you know, heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's never high statements. It's somebody else. Yeah, and it's uh, like... The the few that come to mind is the one in Philly where the young man I think he had a heart attack and well, his car. That, yeah, that was. And that's and we go back to we talk about how can Kratom kill you. 
And I know Nick Wing pulled very hard on that. And it was shaky. I mean, obviously he got in a car accident, hit with his car. Supposedly all he had was coffee and Kratom in his system. But it wasn't clear if he died in a car crash or what happened. Like how and, – and then if if he made it – if he survived the car crash and made it to the hospital still alive, how do you overdose on something while you're in the hospital under care? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like – and I'm not saying this did happen, but the most I could think of it is like, because to me, I've I've overdone kratom. I've overdone it numerous times, and it doesn't suppress my breathing. I just got nauseous and laid down. I I've, I know other people might have vomited from it. I have not done that. Everyone I talked to has overdone it, has just said the same thing, that they either get nauseous, vomit, got to lay down, and it goes away in a few hours. So, like, my thought is that, like, I guess you could blame it on Kratom, but maybe he took too much in the morning and got the eye wobbles or, you know, like, wasn't paying attention or, you know, got dizzy while driving. It just, again, doesn't make sense about how, what the mechanism was. And then there was the NY State Trooper. Um, the, um, that one, uh, I thought Nick had, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so it's, yeah, it's all good. That I forget what it's called, but people have died the same way. It's something with the lungs. Uh, I want to say pulmonary. When yeah. the and people have died doing that the same way, doing the cinnamon challenge, that you breathe in this dried powder, it fills up the capillaries of the lungs, and then the lungs get filled with with a uh, liquid. Is is my understanding of it? Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to look back on that one. I thought there was something else that was suspicious that that Nick wanted to kind of pull the string on and then they kind of threw the curtain down on him. There's also there's that New England Journal of Medicine report that, where they did the, the further blood testing and found out that all the ones in Colorado that were deemed uh, kratom only uh, deaths, uh, kratom deaths caused by kratom, actually all of them had other drugs in their system. Besides, besides one where they didn't have the residual blood to test. Um, so, and like I know that guy was, he was, it seemed like he was into like uh, alternative uh, weightlifting stuff and supplements. So who knows what he had in the system? But the other one that makes no sense. So yeah, you you, got, you went into a couple of them, but one that makes no sense, and my heart goes out to her, uh, Ian Montner's mother. Oh. Yeah. Who it blames Kratom for her son's suicide? Like it, I, I don't under, I don't understand that. That one, everything that she says seems like very typical opioid uh, abuse. But there's, yeah, she was featured on um, the documentary Relief of Faith, and you know I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the story and that and you know the articles and that thing, and this is the difficult and sensitive part of this issue is during their interview on the documentary, I kept wanting for a follow-up question, like just kind of like what you just said, but because of the circumstances around it, uh, for back of, lack of a better term, you come off as a dick to like question you know, what a mother thinks about her son's suicide, you know? Right. Yeah. There's so many holes in the story and so many other explanations for why that would be 
something else and not kratom that you i don't know it's like you're you're forbidden to to poke holes in their story because this is this is a mother's understanding of how her son's passed how her son has passed away and this is her motivation for keeping his memory alive and the reason for her to fight so it's kind of hard to be like well the reason you're fighting and devoting your life to to, to banning this herbal supplement is misconceived and wrong you know it's just like can't really stomp out a, a grieving mother, but at the same time, you can't take down you know society because one grieving mother has you know a misconceived notion of how her son passed away. It's a very very delicate situation, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm quite familiar with that. That yeah, and my my question to her is like the the recent article they they call themselves the anti anti kratom warriors which I couldn't find anything about them on, online, but she wants a total ban. And then someone else in the group says that oh, we, if it works for people, you know, that's, that's fine. We're not going to stop anybody else, but we want to keep it out of the hands of children, something like that. And that's something we all agree with, that no one wants children to be using it or other drugs. Um, but my question is like, okay, so a ban that includes state violence to be used against people peaceful people that want to use this plant. So what should have happened to her son while he was using Kratom? Would, mm, you know, because yeah. that's what's going to happen to everybody else. We can go into, because this works perfectly to go into the Kratom desk or Kratom associated desk. Uh, there was the the guy that fell out, of, that, who was on drugs and alcohol, fell out of a window, broke an arm and a leg, and refused medical treatment. And then that was deemed a kratom-associated death. And then the one you found was the gunshot wound to the chest. Right. And I guess overall, just why why am I find why am I why is even Nick Wing finding these? Why are, why isn't the government agency filtering these out? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense and why there's not oversight on these claims and more importantly why there's not repercussions for making claims like this and putting it out to the public i, I mean that that dea intent to schedule was picked apart fairly quickly because it seemed like they knew what they wanted to do and then they were just throwing stuff together to justify it so I don't know. You, you can't really fire government people, but somebody should have been relieved of their duty for like doing that. And then now, I don't know, like, you know, going back to the Maryland ban, he didn't quote, you know, deaths, but at the same time, like, how do you justify putting together this legislation and pushing this forward? Like, there has to be, have to start being repercussions for introducing stuff like this when it's based on such flimsy information. The the original FDA 44 deaths was completely picked apart by the AKA and other Nick Wang and other journalists, and it looks like with your help. And then the the most recent CDC, the 97 deaths, in that report it says all but seven had other drugs in their system, and then no mention of the type of post mortem blood test that was done that could have weeded out additional substances. Yeah, I mean, that CDC report, and I don't know if this says something about our society, but it's weird when you pull back the layers of the onion. So the, the headline and the click date is Kratom caused 97 day deaths or associated with 97 deaths. So then that's, that's what your mind is focusing on. Oh man, Kratom has caused 97 deaths. But then you open up the article 
probably read three paragraphs down. It's like, of these 97 deaths, only seven kratom was, you know, the only substance found. The other 90 have fentanyl and all sorts of other crazy stuff. But then even on the layer down from that, there's a statement in there about even those seven where it's like, it cannot be determined if kratom was in fact the only substance in those seven. So right. you went through, you wrote and researched supposedly a whole article that had the clickbait of kratom caused 97 deaths. And then your conclusion is basically like, we have no idea, probably zero, but you know, here's, your, here's your article. It's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't I, so serious as it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be humorous, but I mean, this, this is high stakes stuff. Yeah. Which makes it even like, you know, it's just all of it's so crazy, but then they're actually going through and banning it and, this stuff is literally saving people's lives. Like, I, I thought that was a hashtag of Kratom Saves Lives, but then I actually started reading all the all the testimonials and then getting messages sent directly to me from people that have purchased Kratom from me saying how much it's changed their lives, that they're no longer on heroin or fentanyl or Coke or whatever other pills they were taking. They've cut so many prescriptions or eliminated drinking alcohol. It It's... Yeah, it's really it's uh, uh when you start looking at it from a harm reduction standpoint, it's it's like it's a no brainer. Cannabis and, and kratom have so much better of a better safety profile than proven deadly and harmful drugs. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much. I kind of what I said in the opening. I don't know too much about the medical field or anything, but it seems like the United States doesn't have an ability to deal with things like cannabis and kratom and some of these other herbal supplements. It seems like you're either a medicine or you're something else. It's like there should be like some sort of middle ground. And it's weird, this whole like medical claim thing. And I think that's, you know, originally what brought heat on kratom. You know, if you make three medical claims, you know, the FDA shows up like Beetlejuice and just shuts <laughs> you down. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, I really don't understand it. It was, you know, watching that leaf of faith and they interviewed, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was basically saying, you know, it's all how, how you say it. Like, you know, you can't say it cures this, but you can say it helps with this or there's certain like keywords. I'm like, that seems like a weird system to have that if you just key in on these few keywords, then that sets off these alarms. I don't know. And if we're in this opioid crisis, which, you know, depending on what you talk about, there should be, the desire to look at any possible solution to it or any possible tool it seems weird to put this tool back into the toolbox when it's showing utility. It just seems very strange. Yeah, and it's especially the only, like, their golden standard now for any type of opiate treatment is 12-step, which works for a lot of people, but to me it's kind of like willing your addiction away. And... Then uh, Suboxone, buprenorphine, or methadone, and that's it. And this kind of goes – I'm not very familiar with that field at all because it's not something I've really uh, been part of. You know, I've never used street drugs or have any issues. And, I mean, I appreciate you talking to me, but if you look at the overall Kratom community, I mean, my story and my use is kind of just, you know, like I said, an herbal supplement that I use to help me work out. It's not, you know – saving my life but it's helping my quality of life but there are thousands if not millions of people that their life you know 
for lack of, lack of a better statement, you know, kind of depends on Kratom being readily available to them. And, you know, we only live one life. If, if my quality of life was dependent on Kratom use, I mean, I would, I would fight to the death for it. And I think that's what people are finding, uh, finding out. And this, this isn't going to be, this is kind of an easy battle to win once we get on the battlefield. Like I said, once we get to the point where we can make testimony and get to these legislators, it's an easy win. We just, it seems like people don't want to take it to the battlefield. They just want to push a ban in without hearing from us. And most of these people are elected officials. So I just say if your elected official isn't doing what you want them to do, then you make them a not elected official the next uh, time you vote. It's, uh, and like this one in Maryland, like how did that even come to be? And is, I heard the AKA is going state to state and going to pharmacy boards trying to ban it. I know for me, like I don't necessarily want to go to my uh, legislator or representative when there's nothing happening in Massachusetts. Like I'd rather keep it like that and have the market self-regulate uh, without any bad actors. But this Maryland one, you and I both have, like I have the Google alerts and you said you have, you have another alert that will tell us if there's anything happening in the media. I didn't hear anything about this until it's already a, a bill being presented. Right. I, uh, I didn't, I, I still look for it. I didn't see anything in the news. But yeah, it was, uh, someone had like some sort of alert set up if, if legislation is introduced. Uh, I can't, I, I want to get her name just so I know it. I think it's Melody. But yeah, so she's the one that put it out. But yeah, if you're just a, an average person, like how, how do you know all these things are coming through? And why would this guy introduce this without talking to anybody? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems strange. And I was in the same, uh, yeah, Melody uh, Wolf, I think. Yeah, I was in the same boat as you. You know, just it's like the foxhole mentality where you just keep your head down. Like I, I debated for a year or two whether I should send something to my state senator just as a heads up. But then I'm like, just leave sleeping dogs lie, you know. But yeah, you know, I guess you do that, and then the next day you get they're going to ban it. Yeah. So you said that there there is a, a meeting coming up, and you don't know if they're going to take public public comment for from Maryland on. Open source information, I see that there is a hearing January 22nd, um, which is going to be next Wednesday, and that's with the Judiciary Judicial Committee. Now, I'm not sure if this is the Judicial Committee just meeting and debating the merits of this or if they're going to open it up for public comment. I'm kind of waiting to see if the Merit Credit Association pulls something out and says, you know, there will be open testimony. I got... Uh, I sent an email to my, my reps, but I haven't heard back from them. But, yeah, I mean, if, if there's open testimony, like I said, all we got to do is get on the battlefield and we'll most likely win the war. So if they open this up for testimony, you just got to get out there and just tell them. I, I don't know what drove this to even be introduced. I mean, I, I keep a close eye on all the news articles. I haven't – and I put together that, you know, tracker of deaths. There hasn't, there hasn't been anything in Maryland whether it be deaths or even in those, like, what is Kratom article that you see every once in a while. I saw one in D.C. a couple uh, couple weeks back. I didn't see anything in Maryland. It was funny, the D.C. one, they went on air and said, you know, Kratom's banned in D.C. And it's, it's, it's legal in D.C. There's storefronts in D.C. So it's just 
again, back to this lazy journalist, you went on the air and said Craven's bad in in the area that you are reporting news to. You didn't even bother to look out your window and see a store with the letters Kratom is sold here on it, you know? That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like the um, the C- CBS report, the article that they interviewed me on it. They said there was, I think it was nine or 14 Kratom-related or Kratom-associated deaths in Massachusetts. And then when I look it up, I can't find anything about it. And, like, I, I haven't heard anything about this before that report. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They must have some databases somewhere that people look in. And Nick, I think, did an article about this. I want to say it was him. Just the qualifications of a medical of of a medical examiner, and not to say anything disparaging against medical examiners because they're doing their best, it's their job. But they're not necessarily doctors. And I think in some states, you just have to get like you know, take a, a class. Like you don't have to have any medical background. You could just take a class and you're a medical examiner. So this Kratom overdose or mitrogen intoxication, death or whatever, you could just, if you find Kratom in the system, you could just put that down. You know, it's like almost going through a multiple choice test and answering C. And if you're a stressed out medical examiner, you've got a case in front of you and you can you can grab that low hanging fruit and say that and just do it, put it on death certificate, move on. And then that, you know, is put into the record as a Kratom overdose. So I learned yeah. more about the medical examiner field was like, wow, I can't believe we we rely so much on their findings when their findings for various reasons may not be accurate. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize that either. And I, it might have been Nick Wing as well that was talking about the credentials and yeah, there a lot of them are not medical professionals are not doctors. I guess if you're a medical examiner, you are a medical professional, but yeah, not a doctor. Um, and that it goes along with the uh, New England Journal of Medicine report that there's no standard for postmortem blood tests to be done. Um, that it should be really clear that it's, uh, I forget the exact wording, but it's the special um, tactometry uh, dual spectrometry, something like that. It's this special test that that's how they discover it. If other drugs are in the system, that wouldn't show on a regular blood test. Uh, anything else in the article that we didn't cover? Uh, no, we covered the link test and the, my, my fascination with poison control calls. Uh, really, I mean, my, my takeaway is just the accountability of, of putting out correct information that is not really misleading. I mean, I'll never use the term fake news, but I mean, this is high stakes for a lot of people. So you have to be very thorough when you put information out to the public and just putting out information that can be verified very easily seems, uh, I don't know the right word. I wouldn't say criminal, but just, I don't know. It's, and I understand that the desire just to take what a government official says, a government document says, and putting it out. But there's that trust but verify aspect you have to start doing. I, I And, I mean, that's been my takeaway from a lot of this. Any advice you'd have for someone that's just getting into Kratom and wants to get involved in advocacy? As far as taking Kratom, people should research it. Talk to your doctor. Uh, get, get on the forums and just learn as much as you can. Uh, less is more. Um, and just just 
take it slow and, you know, like I said, go to your doctor. As far as advocacy, like I said, all we got to do is get on the battlefield and we will win. So don't lose focus. Don't lose hope. Stay vigilant and just get your story out there. There's, it's, a, it's an easy win because we have the facts, we have the science, and we have the, the true motivation behind us. So that's why I say for advocacy. But you know, when the battlefields are behind closed doors and, and pharmacy boards that we're not allowed to go to or they don't want public comments, and that's where it becomes difficult. You just got to keep this battle out in the open and let the facts, science, speak for itself. Right. I love it. All right. Yeah. Anything else uh, you want to plug or promote or go over before we go? Uh, nothing to really plug unless any Kratom vendor wants to sponsor my next triathlon. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not going to win the race for you, but I can uh, use your product during the during uh during training and uh during the race. Okay. If if there's any Kratom suppliers out there that want to sponsor his triathlon, get in touch. <laughs> Get in touch with Chris on Twitter. Chris, it's been so great talking to you. Thanks so much for putting together this paper, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, it was great. All right, thanks, Chris. Talk to you later. Bye. So that about does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Sincere thank you to all of you. As always, the the listener and everybody's been purchasing Kratom. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. Big thanks to Chris and Vicky, Chris Redding and Vicky Rose for joining us on the show. Two really great interviews, two great people. So thank you guys for everything that you do and taking the time to to join us on the show. Big thank you to Candid Orange Flavored Kratom. I can't say enough good things about this company. If you guys are looking for a great extract, ask your favorite retailer that you want Candid Kratom, especially if they're already selling Kratom. You know, you really can't go wrong. Look out for next week's show, Dr. Mark Swagger. It's an amazing interview, and I'll have a whole new list of creative news and current events for you guys. If you'd like to get in touch, you can give me a call on 617, call or text 617-917-5242, 617-917-5242. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor of the show, get in touch, creatumguyshow at gmail.com, or send me a DM on uh, on Twitter, at creatumguyshow. And if you're looking to, to support us, you want to see more of this work, more in-depth reporting, we're really close to getting the, the Mississippi piece. Still going to make the FOIA request, but I'm putting that all together. I was actually looking at a lot of that information that I have from um, so I could get ready for the interview with Vicky. So we do want to do more in-depth reporting. If you want to support us, Patreon, Kratom Guy Show. I haven't put much on there. If I get more, more activity there, I'll, I'll definitely start posting more there. And if you want to see more of our work, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. One of the best ways to, to support us is like and share. Uh, like, share, subscribe. It, it really shows the algorithm that, that you're interested in this and that more people will see it. So, And that's what it's really all about is keeping Kratom legal and uh, available for all. You can also support us on Mass Herbal Market, massherbalmarket.com. You can get some. We have amazing Kratom direct from Indonesian Farm. And like I said before, we really want to expand that and bring more Indonesian farmers and distributors that are doing the right thing directly to the people, cutting out some of these bigger corporations that are selling inferior product and essentially creating a monopoly. I think that's about it, guys. That, that, that wraps up the show. Thank you guys so much, and until next time, 
together we can keep Kratom legal, safe, and available for all. Peace.